0: and welcome to Millennial Gaming Speak, E3 2017, the Microsoft Xbox Breakdown, uh, the first of three episodes this week covering E3 2017 for Millennial Gaming Speak. You might notice that it is I, Max Roberts, the normally introduced as the co-host. Logan is not here, and he will not be for any of our three E3 Breakdown episodes. Why? Because he's actually out in L.A., doing e3 things for the first time ever um he actually did there's a call-in at the end of this episode you'll be able to hear where he called in after leaving the microsoft press conference so uh, you'll actually get to hear his fresh hot takes after he left the theater from uh yesterday from the day we're recording so stick around to the end to listen to that Um, But for those of you that don't know, Millennial Gaming Speak is a part of Model Citizens Media. It's a podcasting brand and network. We have a bunch of different shows like this one. We have Behind the Pixel, which is an interview show that I host. Um, Reeling in the Years is a music show that Logan and Michael Ruiz do. And then we have our Model Citizen show where all four of us get together and talk about whatever our heart desires. Um, But for this episode in particular, uh, to help fill the gap of having someone else. So it's not just me talking to you. I brought on uh, a guest who's been on the show before, and he is probably the most knowledgeable Xbox man I know. And uh, was so with me today to talk all about Xbox, EA and Bethesda is Jared Weich.
1: Hey, how's it going? You're friendly neighborhood Xbox guy here.
0: <laughs> friendly neighborhood Xbox guy. And I was looking... Um, We'll talk about these later, but yesterday I was looking at my Xbox predictions and how woefully weak and just crazy they were because I don't know anything. Um, And Logan and I both were genuinely excited that you were going to be on the show because, at least for me, you know the most about Xbox. You are like what I feel like I am to Sony or Nintendo. You are to Xbox, and I love that because I need that today especially because there's a lot of cool stuff. That they talked about, but I don't. I'm not in the weeds like you are, so I'm really glad that you're here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super stoked to talk about everything. Oh, it's a, it's the most magical. It's the most wonderful time of the year, as the songs would say. <laughs> um, so let's get started. Then uh, we're gonna talk about EA, Bethesda, and Microsoft in that order. Um, so let's just go ahead and get started with EA Play, which started on Saturday. It was um. Probably, it was an hour long, I'd say, um, but they really didn't have a ton of actual games. I think they had three sports games, Need for Speed, um, an indie game, and then uh, some Star Wars and a Bioware's new game. Um, so right off at the top at the show, they started with a a, a drumline, the Patriots drumline, um, and I, I hate the Patriots, so I was a particularly a little upset about that, but... Jared, what did you think about Madden?
1: Uh, so first off, I also hate the Patriots. I oh, also right. really dislike Thank Tom you. Brady. So like seeing seeing like 12 people out there in, in uh, Tom Brady jerseys was bad. But I do like the musical beginning. I think, you know, this is quote unquote a lot of people learning from Sony. I think that it was it was a really interesting way to start it, outside of them wearing Patriots jerseys. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we got our we got our first look at Madden 18 long shot, which was actually teased in the Madden 18 teaser trailer that came out a couple of months ago, or maybe a month or so ago, when they first announced Tom Brady was on the cover. Uh, we just got like a brief tease of it. We didn't know exactly what it was going to be. I forgot was he was like on their... the cover. Why would you have to remind yeah. me? <laughs> uh, unfortunately. <laughs> um so yeah this was the big unveiling i think it was really cool i mean it's heartfelt it's serious it has the one of the actors from moonlight which i can't remember his name off the top of my head But he's a really good actor he's kind of blowing up now uh which shows that they're taking this more seriously than you would think because i'm pretty sure that guy isn't cheap probably Um, not
0: this so long shot is the their single player story right kind of like they did with fifa the
1: year before yeah, and I think the biggest thing, the two of the biggest things that came out in a press release afterwards is it will not feature a single loading screen, which is kind of crazy, in the entire long shot mode. And okay. also, okay. you will not play a single NFL game, which I also think is huge because I do think that that gives it a reason for people to actually go into the mode and play it. Um, people no longer have NCAA football as an option to play anymore due to uh, collegiate athletes wanting to get paid. And there's that whole situation with NCAA right now um, and their likenesses being used in video games. Um, NCAA was kind of skirting that line because they use the the, the collegiate um, mascots and stuff like that, but the players are never named or anything like that, and people could input their own specific rosters. But anyways... um, I think that Madden 18 Longshot actually bridges that gap a little bit because since no one has the ability to play NCAA football anymore, they still want that collegiate experience. And having a single player like this where you're basically guiding the decisions and actions of somebody uh, through the NFL combine, which is kind of the workout they do before they enter the NFL and him getting drafted. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that they also said is that Longshot actually has multiple different endings. So you um, you can end the single player mode, and be drafted number one or high pick you can uh, and they didn't show say specifically all the endings but they said you can even finish the game without even making it to the nfl so there's multiple endings to the story mode so oh i think that's gosh. huge i think it does what people have asked of adding more content to a yearly sports franchise that a lot of people see as just like a roster update there's yeah, a lot more no, that goes into it yeah um, that's very true uh, yeah i think it's adding more content adding more value um In the recent years, uh, FIFA Ultimate Team and Madden Ultimate Team have blown up. It's probably EA's biggest moneymaker. They're the basically collectible card games inside of these sports games. And even though those have added uh, value in terms of time being played outside of normal franchise mode, I think adding a single player even adds more um, content there. Also, later on in the show, we saw FIFA have a sequel to their story mode that they introduced last year, which I think is really promising for Madden players because that shows that what you invest in this story mode will more than likely be continued next year, so there is even more value there because it is a, a not a one and done story. So right. I think that's huge as well.
0: It's when the when they specifically announced the sequel to the FIFA story, I actually was a little confused. I didn't know if the per, the Alex character was a real human being or not. Um, <laughs> it was even more confusing to find out he has a verified Twitter account with only two tweets. So yep. it was that whole thing was a little baffling. But the idea that they are having this sports narrative continue over and over, and it sounds like in Madden even having your choices impact potentially next year's Madden game as far as your story and your playthrough seems to be pretty interesting um, and keeps it fresh, gives you a reason uh, besides the new multiplayer tweaks and like the core gameplay changes um, to come back and buy Madden. I've never been um, really a sports video game kind of person, um, but this is really cool to see them invest into this side of a game, the game's industry and development into a sports game. It spices it up um, and even draws in people like myself that really care more about stories and things like that um, into playing a sports game. Granted, if the story is good or not, and we'll just have to kind of wait until we hear about that. I, I did never remember hearing anything about the FIFA story mode in particular. Um,
1: the interesting thing, to, uh, not to interrupt you, but... No, go for it. Uh, people tend to forget like ea owns bioware so of course if they introduce a story mode it's going to have these decisions that kind of affect the outcome that's like bioware's thing you know so i think ea sports having bioware there of like you know developers talk i think a lot of times that's one thing that doesn't really get um, mentioned is that um, developers are about helping each other and especially when they're all kind of under the same wheelhouse they like to give each other tips and advice and things right so i guarantee you the ea sports guys have at least had Simple conversations with the Bioware guys of like, hey, we want to introduce these like light RPG systems of uh, a narrative that's kind of a little bit more complicated and complex. What's the best way of doing that? What have you guys found? Um, because the yeah. fact that it has multiple endings, I think that they do. They did take a lot from Bioware in that. Well, which you, is even,
0: cool. you even see that within Microsoft with a Turn 10 and Playground yeah. Games where they... They have this connected pipeline for the Forza games, and now they're essentially flip-flopping every other year. And, you know, so when Forza Horizon adds weather, then Forza Motorsport's going to have weather next time, and then, you know, all these different things, and they help make better games because they work together um, under the same, you know, not studio brand, but publishing brand. So it works out for them. Um, The next kind of stuff, we're not going to go, like, super deep into each show we're going to talk about mostly the things that we both thought were big highlights but we'll we'll kind of briefly mention everything else as well um they had this thing in the middle of the show called the creator cave and i'm putting quotes around that for the listeners um which looks like just a bunch of youtube streamers and twitch streamers kind of there doing something i don't know but they talked about the uh the battlefield one dlc um coming out later this year showed a trailer for that um, the FIFA and some esports talk, like we just mentioned, they even showed off uh, Need for Speed Payback uh, with a short mission, and it looked very fast and furious to me, which I'm okay with. Um, but I'm pretty- and
1: Burnout. There was a lot of Burnout inspiration
0: in it too. I think I've never played Burnout. What kind of racing? Is- it's more arcadey, uh, right? Where
1: you like can crash things and stuff. Yeah, but the big thing with it is is crashing, and uh, a lot of the slow mo shots they show in there seem to be at least slightly inspired by burnout okay um yeah so i think i think there is some inspiration there of yeah it's very fast and furious but i do think they you know people wanted burnout forever and i do think that there was a way to kind of have burnout without having burnout Mm -hmm. um for the emphasis on the crashes themselves so i think it was pretty cool it was i'm i'm pretty picky about my driving games
0: the last so the last one i bought was need for speed horizon or not sorry forza horizon three gosh getting on my driving because that game is absolutely amazing but before that it was like need for speed most wanted from like 2013 like i'm i'm stupid picky about my driving games um the next thing they did in the show was they talked about their ea originals again which gave us games like um oh the character's name is yarny but that's not the name of the game is it unraveled (laughs) unraveled thank you that was one of the games and whatnot so a new one and only one was uh, made its debut and it's called uh, a way out and it's like a prison break game and it's co-op only you can only play it with another person it's from the guy who did um Brothers Tale of Two Sons right yeah um, one of my favorite games i love that game to death i have i've never played it i've been told now that a way out is out that i or announced that i need to play the brothers game um i think i have it free from somewhere i don't know um you lose track of all these games but it's this this, I guess, this co-op split-screen game, he wants you to be able to play it. He would like you to play it on the couch, but you can play it online. But either way, it's still split-screen. And so, like, uh, Jared could be playing, um, walking around an environment, and I could be in a cutscene, and you can see him moving, and you solve puzzles and interact together. It sounds very unique, um, which I think is kind of the coolest part about it is EA putting money behind this, because it doesn't look like an indie game. It's It looks very well... Uh, produced it's pretty seems pretty high quality but they're putting money behind this very unique idea and it really is it's almost a closed off idea kind of like um skyward sword is in motion controls and so that is a barrier everyone has to play that game with motion controls and so with a way out the barrier um is you have to have someone else to play with um i'm curious if they're going to have the ability to just find someone else to play with or you have to have a friend like in destiny when you're doing raids and stuff
1: Oh, yeah, I don't know. I thought you were just going on. Um, no, yeah, I didn't. A... <laughs>
2: it's like,
1: I think that's all I got. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the interesting thing here is when they brought uh, Joseph, I always, I don't know how to pr- properly pronounce his last name. I think it's Ferris, or it might be Ferris, um, which is interesting. Uh, his brother is one of the lead characters in this game, and his name is Ferris Ferris. Uh, yeah, I did really see that weird. tweet. Um I think when they started talking about E Originals, which I think was Patrick Sutterland was the one who came out and talked about it, uh-huh. um, and he's like, "Oh, we've been working with the creator of Brothers: Tale of Two Sons, and we want to show you his next game." The last thing I would have predicted is a way out. It it does not look like an indie game. It doesn't. It looks like a it looks like a mid tier to like a two and a half uh, a game. Like it looks solid. I you can even somebody who's not super indie games they might even see it as a game up there with the likes of like uncharted and halo and i'm not saying it's to that level but it the eye test anyways it looks like more than an indie game right Mm -hmm. and i think that um limiting it to specifically co-op is great because that's the creator's intent and i do think there will be matchmaking systems in it um and you'll be able to find people randomly the beauty of it though is i think yeah yeah, there is a certain way you're supposed to play this co-op you can't play it any other way the beauty of it is, he stresses couch co-op, and that means that there's. I don't think that the the limitations of it you have to play co-op aren't the same as motion controls, because I don't think they harken to the same difficulties. No, I, and I think even, it's,
0: um, It won't be outdated. Um, motion controls yeah. like Skyward Sword having, a, for example, an HD remake of Skyward Sword would be very difficult because motion controls are fundamental in that game's design. But co-op is something that has been around almost since the beginning of video games, having two people play together. Um, so it's not like it's locked behind something, but it is a, a unique gameplay thing that you will. everyone is going to have to play with someone else in a way out. There will be no... I'm sure some streamer will have like two controllers next to each other and try to play by himself, but you know the vast majority of people will have
1: to play with someone else. And the huge thing too, is he Joseph, the creator of the game is someone who likes to change up what the player is doing at all times. Mm -hmm. In brothers, a tale of two sons, the main mechanic was that you controlled one brother with one stick and one brother with the other one. But through that entire game, what you were actually doing and how you were implementing that mechanic specifically changed. It felt refreshing over and over again. And it didn't feel like it was changing for the sake of changing. And I think that's one of the biggest things because he made that an emphasis for a way out of, you know, you're constantly going to be doing new and different things. He's like, you're going to be doing everything. Well, maybe not everything, but you're going to be, you know, you're going to be doing a lot. I think that's huge. My biggest dream to be quite honest with you is that somehow he's eventually able to work on army of two army of two is one of my favorite franchises. And though that wasn't, pitched as a game where you should you only play co-op, the best moments playing Army of Two were co-op. It, it had two main characters, and uh, I played that game with a friend co-op, and it was one of the best experiences I've had in gaming. Those games aren't necessarily tens, but the experience of playing with somebody else is huge, and I hope that maybe someday, because it seems like the way Brothers works, where it's it's not two people in, uh, as individuals, but you are controlling two people in the game, and now this game is two people as well. I think that Joseph has a love for these partner-style things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think he likes yeah, yeah, yeah. engaging with two separate characters on screen at the same time. That's how he appreciates tongue stories. It's like my dream would be for him to take over the Army of Two franchise and make something great out of it. But the, A Way out's cool. It's sad that it's coming out next year. We have to wait a whole year for it. Yeah, um, you have to wait. But I think this, this has been... The most heartwarming surprise I think of uh, E three uh, so far. It was really I, cool to see. I would I would have to agree. It was
0: definitely I think so far my favorite surprise announcement. It definitely it came out of nowhere. Uh, there were no leaks, no nothing. It was it was very exciting to see. And I'm I hope e I hope the game does well because I, then I hope EA looks at it and goes couch co op is something cool and maybe the rest of the industry looks at it because I feel like couch co op is something that kind of was being phased out because of online and being able to play with all your friends, and then certain companies keep it alive, like Nintendo with their games, or, um... Darn it, what's another good couch? Overcooked. Overcooked, recently, is a good one. That's making its way to Switch. Like, Switch has co-op baked into the system, um, for crying out loud. It is... Co-op is always something that's been fun to do, and it's it's exciting to have a game to play with people. Um, And even... I, I play the Telltale games um, with my fiance. We do it. They're not necessarily co-op, but, you know, we make the decisions together and stuff. So I think having a game specifically designed for it is going to be very, very
1: exciting. I can't wait to get my hands on it. This is Joseph's second game. Like, think about that. Mm-hmm. He had Brothers, which is a hit. He's making a way out, which looks phenomenal. Like, this guy could be a major player soon. Hazelight seems like it could be a studio that a lot of people want to work with. I think EA recognizes his talent. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look at the budget they gave him, dude. Like, they oh, worked they gave for, him a uh, budget. Yeah, they gave him a very large budget. It's, it's cool. I think it's really cool. It's cool
0: to see it pay off. Um, the next thing that EA did was tease Bioware's new game, fresh off of um, Mass Effect Andromeda coming out a couple of months ago to, I'd say lukewarm reception not as high as everyone thought it was going to be um due to some technical issues and story just not shaking out the way people hoped um i did not play the game but i know logan has said on the show before that it's just it like wasn't what he expected or wanted um and it was kind of a letdown for him but uh they teased they did like 45 seconds of anthem uh their new game anthem and then said check out the microsoft show for the gameplay reveal which uh we will be talking about that later but um yeah, it's it, it, it's interesting to see where Bioware's really been putting... Because Bioware, I guess, is two teams, and this is, seems to be really... Three there. teams. Is it
1: three teams? They have Bioware Edmonton, which is Team A, which is the team that made the original Mass Effect trilogy, and they their work on Anthem. Anthem. Uh, they have Bioware Montreal, who are the studio that uh, released um, Mass Effect Andromeda, Andromeda. And they also have Bioware Austin, where Casey Hudson is at. So they have three major studios. Is the Hudson one um the guys that do dragon age um no i think they're actually working on something separately okay um i believe i believe that uh because edmonton's a really big team and so montreal was a decently sized team we do know that dragon age is in development but i don't remember exactly what team it is and i don't believe it's bioware austin okay um i austin, could be wrong about that but austin. off the top of my head i don't think hudson's working on dragon age okay um
0: And then a couple other things that they closed the show out with, uh, NBA Live 18, they gave us, like, a trailer. It was weird. Uh, It did have a – the one thing I thought was interesting was that they had, like, professional stadium, you know, arena games, and then they had street games. And I haven't really seen street basketball since – as a kid, I remember the NBA street games. Um, So
1: that's – They have street stuff in 2K. Like, my biggest thing – yeah, my biggest thing is I, I love 2K. 2K is like I, – I love 2K and Madden. Those are like the sports games. Madden I go to every year. 2K, I can skip a year every now and then, but I'm super familiar with the franchise. This NBA Live 18 demo uh, did absolutely nothing to, uh, nothing to prove to people that this is better than 2K. Um, they offered a free demo coming out this fall, uh, which is huge because you need to be able to get this into people's hands and say like, no, there's a reason to get this over 2K. Mm-hmm. And another big thing is I – I would I would strongly bet that this game does not release at $60. I think that EA is going to be aggressive on it and they're going to they're going to release it at a, a price point of $40. Okay.
2: NBA Live hasn't
1: been around for the last 2 to 3 years. They can't compete with 2K. They didn't show anything in this to say that it's better than 2K. I really think they're going to be aggressive and they're going to either – they're going to do a price cut and plus the demo to try to get this into people's hands to be like, hey, we have a basketball game that's worthy of buying too. If they launch at 60, it's dead on the water. I strongly believe that. Okay. I Now I'm getting a phone call.
0: Go away, mom. Yeah, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Go away. And then they closed out their show with – and this still took me back because they announced the amount of time up front. But they closed the show with 30 minutes of Battlefront 2 um, talk and multiplayer. Uh, mostly, they played like an entire multiplayer match that so was probably 15, 20 minutes long. Um, I didn't. I, dude, it's, it's more Battlefront. The,
1: the worst way to end a show I've seen in the last like two or three years. It was too long, not because, man. Well, not because I yeah, not because the footage they showed wasn't cool. The problem I have is that they had the lead actress in the story mode, which she did a phenomenal job, by the way. She absolutely killer. killed it. Yeah. The problem is they had her up there talking about how much the game's changed, how much they've listened to people. We introduce a story mode. But then they don't really show anything about the story.
0: Yeah. Then,
1: then they do the multiplayer match that Shoutcast did that was really awkward. And then once that match ends, they cut back to the stage and then say bye and then leave. The weird thing... For me, it would have been better if they... Had her come out, talk, even if she didn't say anything about the story, which I would have really appreciated it if they did a deeper dive on story mode. Her being like, thank you for watching the show. If you guys want to stick around, check out the 30 minutes of multiplayer. But for them to force that into the show, not let you know it was ending, then come back and end it right after that was a poor way to end the show. I know a lot of people like Star Wars, but you have to realize there also is a huge segment of people that watch E3 that aren't don't want to watch 30 minutes of multiplayer gameplay. You know? It's... and. It was, it, was a, it was a poor way to end the show, I think. Really poor way to end the show.
0: It's I do hope um, tonight we see some single player battlefront at Sony's press conference. Um, yeah, I think I that's really so. I think that's where we're gonna see that. Um but I was hoping to see some uh, yesterday or two days ago at EA Play. But really that was uh that was all of EA play. It was just really three sports games, need for speed, um one indie game we'll say indie and then Bioware and uh, Battlefront so they kind of and it's
1: here for Microsoft's conference yeah basically (laughs)
0: it's like (laughs) hey check this show out because it's gonna be cool Um, we're gonna we're gonna do Bethesda now which happened after Microsoft but the the two don't really tie together but Bethesda's was just so short it was it was 30 minutes long and so I wanted to uh, just do that real quick before we do a deep dive into Xbox And everything they showed. Um, And I think... And Logan might reiterate this when he comes onto the show proper next week. uh, It really seemed like the Bethesda Showcase was something you had to be there for. Because they did this whole theme park themed area. Like There were a bunch of different areas for each game they had. And even the games they announced after the show... Um, had their own special areas. It really felt more... Because the show itself was 30 minutes short and sweet with only three things we didn't know about. Um, Yeah. Big thing. Or four things we didn't know about. It was... And for me, it was at 1 o'clock in the morning. I was like, all right. Or 12 o'clock or whatever. It was late at night. I was like, all right. I wish there was a little bit more here. But it still seemed cool. Um, Pete Hines came out and opened up the show with... Uh, two VR games from Bethesda that are coming out this year. Actually, every game we saw uh, is out this year at before the end of 2017. Um, The two VR games were fallout 4 VR, which was announced last year. Um, That is coming out this year. Finally for vive only. So on the PC games, and then finally uh, doom VFR. And that is coming to vive and PSVR, which I'm actually really excited to see it come to PSVR. Um, Doom was out of left field for me. I was like, they're going to put Doom in VR? That sounds very daunting.
1: Sounds like a stomach ache.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, because Doom is all about how fast it is. And VR. Movement, yeah. yeah, and VR itself is, I mean, the refresh rate and stuff is obviously very quick, so you don't get sick. But I can just, I'm worried about how people are going to feel in Doom. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> it's like just
1: throwing it at your face. Well, I think that they did a good job of demoing it, though, that not, there's going to be a part of the game where you're running around shooting, but they did show a lot of parts where you're working with systems or you're like turning switches. and like. So I think they're going to pace it really well. I hope, anyways. It doesn't seem like... My fear was that it was going to be Doom from front to end of you shooting um, mm-hmm. nonstop, and it seems like they are going to break it down to, like, there's shooting sections, but then there's also going to be sections where you're, like, messing around in this world. I think the biggest thing with, with the VR in general is... The, your experiences in it from just an exploration standpoint are super important too. And I think they get that. I think that that's why there's going to be sections where it's like, no, just make yourself feel as if you're in the world of Doom. You don't have to worry about shooting all the time. And I think that's cool.
0: Yeah, it's I'm very, very excited, especially since it is on PSVR. Um, and it's only, I think, going to be 30 bucks, So it shouldn't be... I imagine it'll be kind of like Arkham... Uh, Arkham VR maybe a little longer but you know it's going to really just kind of immerse you in that world and make you feel like the characters in that world Um because that was something that Arkham VR did so well is it made you feel like Batman without being an entire you know, Arkham game so it was really cool uh, to see that game kind of announced that was really kind of a, a great way to I think start the show um, did you have anything you wanted to say about Fallout 4 VR I kind of brushed over it because it was
1: announced and it, it is just Fallout 4 Um I think this is this is huge from the standpoint of Fallout 4 is a very big game. It's a mm-hmm. very long game. Um there's a lot to do in Fallout. Uh and I think that this is huge. Like Resident Evil 7 being played front to back is cool. That's a very linear, very tight experience.
0: It is.
3: Yes. Um
1: not taking anything away from it, but it's it was impressive. This is another one-up, I think, of this is like for Fallout VR to be completely playable through VR is huge. All of the mechanics and systems in that game to be able to be played in VR I think is crazy. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how many people – the crossover, people who love Fallout that also have VR that also want to play through the game again in VR. Yeah. It's a very yeah.
0: small cross-section probably. I'm also – I think it's cool though, but yeah. I'm a little worried about Fallout 4 specifically just as far as how um, – I've I've never really dived into a Bethesda game. I I tried to I rented Fallout Four for free one time from a Redbox and tried to install and it, it crashed on install. I was like, thanks Bethesda, um, but I'm worried about how janky it'll be because VR is so it is so important to be consistent and smooth um, and not jittery or people will get sick and it just won't feel good. And I'm worried about that experience. Now, obviously it is Vive only, so it's going to be running on the top and best PCs out there. You know, it's
1: not like the PS4 is going to try and run this. So I think that's why, though. It has to be. You see why Doom is on PSVR and Fallout 4 isn't. It's because, like, yo, we need to have this playable at its peak for it to not be janky. Yeah, It
0: it makes sense. I just, I do hope, because I think it's really cool to see a huge open-world game be in VR. Um, The kind of the middle of the show was besides two things was everything um announced already with some cool little stuff thrown in they uh they talked about elder scrolls online um talked about how big their player base is now and how morrowind is out i thought morrowind was already out but they said it sounded
1: like it wasn't out yet um yeah they're basically saying like hey go play it now yeah. I think they're just trying to make a bigger push for people to be like Come Yo, back. there's a new expansion. Or for people who haven't ever played it yet, it's like, you haven't gotten to Elder Scrolls Online. Now's the time. We have Morrowind. So yeah. they were just doubling down on that. That's that's kind of how it felt.
0: And then they announced something called The Creation Club, which essentially is just uh, mods for PC console curated and, or created by Bethesda and paid for. So you use credits that I you will pay real life money for to buy these mods in the game uh, that will automatically and flawlessly work with your game and your save um, no matter which platform you play on. And what
1: do you what do you think about paid mods? <laughs> Uh, I think it's fine. If it's coming straight from them, you know it's going to be high quality. Mm-hmm. I think charging for... I'm not saying before anybody like jumps on me, I'm not saying community developed mods aren't high quality. It's just that you know that they're going to be polished in a way and work com- like the compatibility is going to be you know, top of the line, it's Bethesda. I don't think it's bad necessarily. Um, I think this is an interesting route to take in the future for Bethesda games because if they develop the model of we released the game, all of the DLC is free, but we're going to interlace that with mods that you can buy. I think that's an interesting way of, hey, if you want extra content that's not just DLC, you can pay for it. Mm. I don't think it's that bad. I think the way they announced it was kind of weird because they weren't super forward on it. Um, yeah, I don't think it's like the end all be all, but I do think it was awkward the way they, they went about announcing and stuff like that. But
2: It's, it's kind I mean, of just in
1: the middle of the show and then they disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, just like we'll go we'll gloss over it. Here it is. The, the next part, the other scrolls, legends. Yeah. I, I, the reason I wanted to get into it is because like I think a lot of people glossed over this. For me, it's my favorite CCG right now. I played tons of Hearthstone. I'm not a huge Blizzard uh, universe guy. Like I'm not mm-hmm. a World of Warcraft person. Diablo. I love Overwatch so much, but it just didn't have enough there for me. Um, I think CCGs are all about um, the basically the tone of it and the lore and the world that it um, takes place in. And for me, I love Elder Scrolls. It's one of my favorite series uh, ever. Like, I absolutely love Elder Scrolls. When this was announced, I was like, this is a world I want to play in. Um, I think the card game on it, uh, like, from a strategy standpoint and a game design standpoint is really good. Um, Gwent is cool and all, but uh, I don't really like the systems in Gwent. I don't like the game design of Gwent. Uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, I think, is is a really good card game. and has a lot in its future. And the fact that they announce all of this content uh, to be coming out of uh, the heroes of Skyrim and stuff like that leads me to believe that they're um, people are like, Oh, that's strange. Why wasn't Skyrim in it? I think the point of it is the heroes of Skyrim. I think it's going to be, there's legendary cards in the game, right? Like any card game. And I think that the heroes of Skyrim is going to play on um, people's knowledge of Skyrim. So there'll be familiar characters. You remember familiar events, that kind of stuff that directly ties to Skyrim and this leads the way for Heroes of, of Morrowind, Heroes of uh, yep. Oblivion, Do all a that a bunch stuff, of so expansion packs cool. and stuff based yep. off
0: the things that you know and love. And kind of what you said there, how it's a world that you love and connect with. That's why I like Gwent, is because I love The yeah. Witcher 3, <laughs> and I love... Exactly. Like, I have the, the decks, the Gwent decks back there. Like it's, I love Gwent, and that's part of why, is because I love the world and I love those characters. So I see the... Yep. I can see why... Um, you and other people would be super excited about it because they're, they love Elder Scrolls. Um, speaking of Skyrim, they, again, even against Logan's prediction, uh, they did talk about Skyrim on the switch, which I was surprised too. I was like, wow, they're actually talking about the switch at Bethesda. Um, and they showed off Skyrim with amiibo support where you can get the master sword and dress up like <laughs> Link. <laughs>
1: And Breath of the Wild outfit, yeah. Yeah,
0: and uh, it has motion controls, which are, who cares, but Amiibo support in Skyrim. <laughs> what is this world? What happened? Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I'm it's, i glad that they talked about it. I, I thought they weren't going to. I thought we were going to pretend it never existed, <laughs> but it does. And they're actually putting some exclusive
1: Nintendo stuff in it, and that's kind of cool. Don't you think, to me, this... I don't know. People have this weird idea of like Bethesda is doing all they can to come on on Nintendo system. I think it's the other way. I think vi- this being in the show is totally not a Bethesda move. I oh, think it's this a is Nintendo. Like I think it's Nintendo. Like we want you to show Skyrim on the Switch, and we're, we want to implement Amiibo support, however we need to. If we need to help, send a team to help you with that, and then we also want motion controls because we can't be N- we have to be Nintendo and we have to have motion controls. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's really odd. It's it's odd, this but it is, is like,
0: cool to see it on a Nintendo platform.
1: And it will. The problem is, is people think that this is a flop. This game will sell. This game will sell very well. I'm sure. Um, I'm not necessarily the person that's going to buy it because I've already Me- put 200 plus hours into Skyrim. Don't on, worry. Neither am I. Yeah, but this game will sell. Like people think that this game is going to be a flop. This game is going to sell, and you're going to be surprised by the numbers it ships. I'm sure um
0: the next thing that they announced was one of the things we did not know about going into the show um and it was dlc for Dishonored 2 it's called Dishonored: death of the outsider it is out september 15th for 30 dollars and it's standalone like you can just buy this dlc you don't need a Dishonored 2 to play it um they kind of just showed a cool looking trailer that was very dishonored and I I didn't play Dishonored 2, so I have no idea what story beats they were talking about, but um, that DLC is coming. Did you have anything you want to say about the Dishonored DLC?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm not a huge Dishonored guy either. I thought the the trailer was interesting for people who love Dishonored. Um, This is great because people were worried that Dishonored 2 didn't sell enough to have any post-launch content, Mm -hmm. and this shows that it must have sold well. Or that this was already something in development and they're just like, well, it's 30 bucks, anyways. It didn't take too long to develop. Let's just get it out there. Um, I think this is great for people who want to continue to live in that world of um, Dishonored. The, I believe the two DLCs that came out for uh, the first Dishonored, the Witches of Brigmore, and I forgot the name of the other one. A lot of people loved those. A lot of people felt that those are better than the base game. So I wonder if this is going to follow that lead and give somebody, uh, give somebody who's interested in Dishonored even more of what they loved. So I think it was cool. Not for me. I think it being out September fifteenth is great. It kind of gets out before the rush of October, November. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and thirty bucks I think is a great price. So it's really that,
0: cool. It's that sweet September spot. You know, just right before yeah. our, everything gets a little too crazy. Um, the next thing they talked about was Quake Champions and some esports stuff. Announced a tournament for the game, um, and there's a beta that you can sign up for and play Quake Champions with um it looks i've never played quake but based off footage i've seen of
1: quake it looks a lot like it like very fast like insanely fast <laughs> you want to talk about a stomach ache that thing like running at 60 fps on your computer um like frame rate locked like if you're not used to that you'll get motion sick
0: it's uh it's a pretty wicked fast <laughs> game
1: also bj blaskowitz being in the game i think is really cool mm. some people are like put off by that um, I think BJ Blazkowicz uh, in Quake Champions makes way more sense than when Duke Nukem got put, put into, into uh, uh, Bulletstorm. Bulletstorm. Yeah, um, I think it was really cool. I think it was a nice little subtle tease like, yeah, you're seeing Wolfenstein this conference. Yeah, um, just
0: like a little heads up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I would say speaking of Wolfenstein, but that's what they closed it out with. The next thing that they talked with was uh, The Evil Within 2, and they gave us a pretty good extended trailer about the game. Uh, showing off trailer with some gameplay stuff at the very end um the game is coming out october 13th which happens to be a friday so major props on them for that date because if they uh, please stick to it because that's just putting a horror game out on a friday the 13th in october is just too good it's it's too perfect timing but what did you think of the evil within 2 and what they showed that trailer was pretty long
1: uh, so my prediction was that it was uh, going to release on uh, Halloween, which mm. is also a Tuesday. Ooh, that is so, a, that is another very good day. <laughs> yeah, uh, Friday the thirteenth, really good too. Um, I think they did a good job of communicating what this game is. Uh, the Evil Within was a, I think for the most part was a cult hit. It, it sold decently well, um, but it didn't like you know do blockbuster numbers. Uh, I think they did a good job of communicating what this game is um, to people who are fans of the series and people who are new to it. Uh, you know, this guy having to go through this like weird system in this bathtub to go to his past or his future or a separate like universe, um, it was very scary, which is good. Um, I mean, like, I wasn't scared, but like, you know, it it definitely was like, yo, this is a horror game. Understand that this is a horror game.
2: This is spooky. Um,
1: at the end of exactly, I think at the end of it, where they showed the quick montage of gameplay was huge too, because, um. I think they met both both camps of what people like. People like these scary, like movie type cinematic stuff, but people also want to see gameplay. And I think them having that montage at the end of the gameplay allowed people to see that. Like uh, for people familiar with Evil Within, like there's some new concepts and some new mechanics in the game. But for people who are unfamiliar, it's like this is what you're going to be doing. You know, it's 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 an action game and it's a horror game. There's going to be it's not just like survival horror, uh, hunker down. Um, and I think the success of Resident Evil Seven and Outlast Two will definitely benefit this game and its release date, I think, too. I think Evil Within 2 is gonna sell surprisingly well.
0: I, I hope so. I'm very intrigued by this game. It looks pretty good. I love a good I love a good horror game. Um and if Logan was here he would make fun of me for not finishing Resident Evil 7 yet. But I told, <laughs> I'll get there. I promise I'll get there. Um and then kinda like we mentioned not long ago, they closed out their 30 minute showcase, which I think we'll talk about here in Maybe at the very end, but they revealed Wolfenstein 2, uh, the new Colossus, with another kind of extended trailer, uh, and it is coming out October 27th of this year. Um, that trailer was all over the place for me. It was. It started with this uh, weird teaser thing, like TV show. It then went into some <laughs> gameplay, and then there were cutscenes like all over, and then there were gameplay clips. It was just. It was like they took Wolfenstein 2. Threw it, threw it in a blender, poured out a drink, and was like, "Here, drink it. It's Wolfenstein 2." Um, it was, it was, it, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, I think that this. Uh, besides the their presentation, their conference taking place like outside, that was a huge reason why it was like later at night because they didn't want people to die of heat exhaustion or get sunburned. Um, I think the other thing is that they wanted to. Um, be able to curse uh there was quite a bit of cursing in uh the the wolfenstein 2 extended trailer and demo but Uh, p heinz came out afterwards and like went crazy yeah
0: that's but this isn't this is streamed online so it's not like under fcc right so it's not like tv where you have to Uh, late right
1: yeah i think it's just from a company perspective they're like there's going to be less kids watching i think from a that's kind, oh, of,
0: uh, that's kind of that's kind ironic because they did open the show with that montage with family. of all the kids. Yeah, their families. Yeah,
1: yeah. It um, was a little fun. I, I could be reading too much into it, but as far as Wolfenstein itself, first of all, it's it's I like that it's Wolfenstein 2, the new classes, not just Wolfenstein, the new classes. I think that communicates, obviously, that it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Because they had uh, New Order and Old Blood, I think if it was just called Wolfenstein the New Colossus, that could have muddied the waters of like, oh, is this another standalone expansion, DLC thing? Which is this one, a Which one's first? Is it the New Order, the Old Blood, the New Colossus? Exactly. Like, where where are we falling here? Exactly. I think Wolfenstein 2 makes it clear. I think the game looks incredible. Uh, I love the first Wolfenstein Uh uh, like, Wolfenstein and Doom are, like, some of my favorite games of the last couple of years as far as shooters go. Um, a lot of people had complaints about the beginning of Wolfenstein, and though I don't necessarily super agree with them that it was as uh, as hard to get through, uh, I do think that, yeah, the beginning of that game was the worst part of that game. But uh, introducing the villain right away I think was huge. Introducing the, the humanizing moments of them sitting in that diner and the, the Nazi officer walking in, getting a milkshake, acting like everything's cool, and then asking him for his ID um showing new characters one of the big things of the first wolfenstein was the rebellion group you come to meet and uh work with and i think having a couple of those old characters plus introducing two new ones uh the black woman with the big afro that has the dud grenade and that other guy um i think it's really cool showing uh bj blaskowitz with a family now or a family in the making i think is huge that can lend towards um the direction of this franchise of wh- how exactly it's going to play out um yeah, the 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 introduction movies of like the nineteen like forties television show uh, were were interesting. I think those are those would be better played off in like actual marketing and not so much at a conference. But yeah, I'm excited for Wolfenstein Two. Uh, same release date as Assassin's Creed Origins, which we'll get into with the Microsoft conference. Um, but I do think they're different audiences. Oh, yeah, it's just cool are, to see. Sure. Um, Wolfenstein 2 come out this year. I was under the impression that it was going to be their spring game next year because Bethesda for the last two or three years have had that big spring game right before E3. They had Doom. They had Prey. I thought this was going to be it. I know we're going to go into the closing of the show now. Uh, Really quick before we talk about the actual length, I think it was weird that we didn't see any Prey DLC. Uh, last year we saw, uh, even Do- even though Doom released that quick, they talked about uh, Doom DLC. Mm. So I wonder if they're just not planning any Prey DLC. I think it sold pretty well. I didn't review terribly either. So it's odd to me that there's not going to be any Prey DLC. That leads me to believe that since we didn't really get uh, Dishonored 2 DLC talk last year and then we had the standalone, maybe that's the game plan next year too. Of they're working on it and then next year we'll have the announcement of this Prey expansion spinoff thing that comes out that same year too. Maybe that's, that's- their... Road forward.
0: That could be, and they're both—it's both Arcane, right now. Different studios within yeah. Arcane, but it is the same developer, company. Yep. Um, so maybe that's kind of the way that they're rolling with it, because Doom was, um, id. So it just could be the way that Arcane rolls and works better exactly. for those types of, um, those types of games that they're creating. So maybe that was the way it shook out. But to kind of close the bethesda discussion before we get into xbox i did want to talk about the fact that this was only 30 minutes long and i felt that it really what they showed i felt didn't warrant a conference itself i thought like when they started this two years ago with fallout 4 like fallout 4 obviously warrants a very big showing because it's fallout 4 and i may not be a fan of the game um or just I can't I haven't played it so I guess I really shouldn't say not a fan. It's just it doesn't <laughs> yeah. it doesn't tickle it doesn't tickle yeah. my fancy. And that warrants it. And I'm sure uh, Logan thinks Elder Scrolls 6 is next year. Like it just has to be. And I I would agree with that. I think that makes sense. Um that would warrant a show. And even last year cuz they just had so much last year. Prey, Doom, Dishonored 2, um Crap. They announced Fallout 4 VR, they had Fallout Shelter, like, they had a lot of stuff last year. I thought this year was pretty light and didn't actually warrant a show itself. Um, I wasn't, like, mad, I wasn't like, ah, Bethesda, you wasted my time, because they announced cool stuff. Um, like, I mentioned yeah. the Doom and Evil Within and stuff, like, they're games that look cool and I might pick up or I'm interested in, but I don't know if it really warranted the, the flash and buzz of a uh, E3 press uh, conference.
1: I think the way I look at it is this was an off year for them in terms of they saw great games coming out, but it was an off year if they didn't have the big bang game. Yeah. Um, The thing is that we heard that we were possibly going to see their new IP here. Um, People are like, oh, we still might see it at PlayStation. Bethesda doesn't really, if they don't show it at their own show, it's more than likely going to be at Microsoft. They partner more with Microsoft than they do PlayStation. Yes, they do. Almost every time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think we're seeing anything new from, from, uh, from Bethesda at at a PlayStation's conference, we might see uh, Skyrim Switch again at Nintendo, which I highly doubt. Considering their conferences, like you talk about, sure, this one was thirty-eight minutes. That one's going to be twenty-five. Is um, wait, it's confirmed twenty-five. I was hearing yeah. thirty. I, well, it was, it was, it was going to be thirty, and then, then they were saying it's twenty-five minutes. So I don't know. Um, <sighs> yeah, the thing <sighs> is, is that I please, would please
0: Super Mario Odyssey be good.
1: <laughs> on the surface, I completely understand the argument of like you had two big announcements this could have just really been a press release and put these two into other conferences the thing is, is that in order for Bethesda to continue to have these conferences because they are going to have the years where they show off the elder scrolls and another fallout and stuff like that mm-hmm. i think that this was enough and it was concise enough that it's like okay this wasn't your best year in terms of like pacing and it was a little bit fillery but i understand why you kept doing it um, and like i said for consistency's sake exactly and i appreciate that it was concise oh my if gosh this, i couldn't imagine if this drag was an hour long oh, if gosh. it was an hour long you know that would have been terrible but it was short they got in they got out and though you can say that they shouldn't have had a conference at least they were smart enough to be like yo let's not try to make this as long as we can let's just try to get all the information we need to get out and then leave you know oh my what I mean? gosh
0: could you imagine if they were like and now here's elder scrolls legends a match shout cast like you be- <laughs>
1: Like Ubisoft's conference last year, like oh my I think everything that was announced in Ubisoft's conference was cool. But if you go back and just watch that conference, it was like two hours of nothing. Like it was just
2: so long. It was just drawn out I hope, for no reason.
0: I hope it today because actually, when we're recording, uh, Ubisoft is not two hours. Um, yep. I hope they they learned some
1: lessons. Um, um, really quick before we close out and move on to Microsoft, the thing I wanted to say too is go for it. So Elder Scrolls is like one of my favorite franchises. I absolutely love it. Um, I even tweeted that if, if they showed it this year in any way, even just the logo, that I would write a haiku for one of uh, my friends' blessing. Yeah, I did just see that that's tweet. How I, remember I see that tweet. How unlikely I thought it was going to happen. Um, I have to disagree with Logan. I don't think it's going to be shown next year because we've had these, these rumors of Starfield, I believe it's called, their new IP. Um, and I do think to some capacity that was intended to be shown this year, and I think Bethesda realized like, hey, no, we want to take the approach, like they mentioned. They reiterated at the end of the show, P. Hines did, everything you saw today is coming out by the end of the year. And I think that's the approach they want to take. So I think that next year, um, if I was just making predictions off the top of my head, this isn't fully thought through, uh, I could see a tease for like a Doom sequel. Uh, that wouldn't be too surprising, really, because uh, they have been working on it since a Doom launched. Uh, and I think we get Starfield, or their new IP, if, even if it's not called Starfield. I think that's the huge thing, too. Uh, and then we can see Prey DLC or expansion that we just talked about. We might see Elder Scrolls, but I doubt it's gameplay at all. Uh, maybe a logo and maybe a tease of what's to come. Maybe just the name. Um, but I do think it's it's as crazy as people who think that Last of Us gameplay, Last of Us Part Two gameplay, is going to show up on Sony stage. It's hey, like whoa, whoa, whoa! I think that's going have... <laughs> to personally. I think that's way too early in development. But Naughty Dog works really fast. Um, but speaking of bioware, like. I just, I Bioware, Jesus Christ, getting everything mixed up. uh Bethesda, I just, I think that they are just going to show Elder Scrolls the year it's coming out. I would, um, I think that makes sense as well. I
0: think they've really set yeah. a trend since Fallout Four for developers to announce a game and then the game's out sooner rather than later. um And you, you see games like South Park Stick of Truth, that's or not Stick of Truth, uh the Fractured But Whole. And it's like been two years since that game's been announced since. Yep. way too long and we're just ready for that game but fallout 4 was here's fallout 4 out later this year that was big and i think bethesda would want to stick with that um that kind of trend that they yep. helped set in emotion
1: the odd thing i think is bethesda to me has had the quote-unquote worst conference so far but it has two of the games i'm most excited for like evil within 2 and wolfenstein 2 i'm super excited for and i don't think it's I don't think the presentation was necessarily bad. I just don't think there was a whole lot of content there, you know? I think EA Play's uh, conference from a structure standpoint was worse, but they did have a lot more games in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Games we didn't really necessarily know about or didn't know a whole lot about. It's so,
0: it's this odd balance of structure, length, and content. Because um, you could have... It's,
1: yeah, that's what we're going to... Yeah, we're, sorry. Go
0: ahead. No, you're absolutely right. We're about to get into it with Microsoft because uh, Microsoft they, really I had to it hit all of those. They had to hit all of those, and I well, th- actually, you ready? You want to just talk about Microsoft?
1: Yeah, I'm always ready. Uh, yeah, that's why I brought you
0: on here. This is it, mo- folks. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Um, <laughs> but actually, before we get into the show, I um, asked you and asked all of our guests for the E3 shows. To bring your predictions that you had for the big company, because I kind of want to compare and contrast um, ours with yours and before we you know with all the news in hindsight, so let's each run through our predictions that we had for Microsoft, just real quick, just like
1: just talk them off, yeah, just go run through them yep, just do i uh, five predictions, yep, okay, so let me to go through mine first, so uh the first thing that I had up here uh I wrote down crackdown three, state of decay two cuphead all come out this fall i was actually close i got two two out of three right uh crackdown three Mm. obviously and then uh cuphead Cuphead. um yeah i said uh two new ip uh which we can talk about uh later but just i don't want to spend too much time on to actually go through my list and see if that actually occurred um banjo kazooie remaster crash bandicoot Sal, uh devil may cry uh will reveal itself uh I said Project Scorpio would be called X, Xbox One P for Xbox One Premium or Xbox One Titan. Uh, mm. Neither of those occurred, obviously. Uh, I said the price point would be 449 or 499 uh, okay. obviously. And, and my last one, because I had a bunch more, but I'll just do my last one. Uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds coming first and exclusive. And I nailed that one. You <laughs> so. nailed
0: that one right on the head. <laughs> yeah. um, mine, really quick, for those that didn't listen to our E3 Predictions episode last week, I had uh, Project Scorpio will be called Xbox Elite. It will be priced at $499.99, and will launch September 19th. Um, I also did a Crackdown 3 demo, um, and will launch with Scorpio. Um, I said Tomb Raider 3 will officially be revealed, the Shadow of the Tomb Raider, um, and also we will get a teaser for the Marvel game that's coming from Crystal Dynamics. A... (laughs) This is how crazy I get here. You ready for this one? Um, a Halo spinoff is revealed. It is an episodic telling of Chief's side of the story from Halo 5 and how the whole, I think they're called Jesus Blue ben. Team, comes together. Yeah, that's how crazy yeah. I am. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, probably the farthest out there, Banjo 3, 3E Three um, being co-developed by Platonic and Rare. They're doing it together.
1: <laughs> so we both wanted ban- something Banjo. Which we did. Cool. I was just, I was crazy um also i was with you i also thought they were going to do a non-mainline
0: halo game they didn't do that so yeah. no no halo or gears mentioned um and it was still a great show yep how did crazy it. is that xbox they did it um so let's dive into the press conference um which started yesterday at five o'clock eastern standard time um it was going into the show i think Microsoft had a lot to show and prove um, because it was the announcement of Scorpio in full. um, And a lot of people were worried about the games and content things for um, Xbox because you've got the switch, which is doing something unique with its platform as far as the portability aspect goes and constant multiplayer. And then Sony just seems to be knocking it out of the park with first party and second party exclusives. And so a lot of people were curious um, what Microsoft would do and how, Scorpio would – the response to Scorpio would be in light of the PS4 Pro being a 4K box, how they were going to advertise and push it. Um, And so they didn't hesitate when they started off the show. They opened up with Project Scorpio, full reveal, the box, the specs, the price – well, the price was at the end of the show, but we'll include it here – and the date. Um, It is officially called Xbox One X, um, which if you put the abbreviation together, spells – xbox so it's kind of smart i guess i prefer elite because that matches the branding with their controller and also uh, would have got me the prediction um <laughs> none of the of, yeah none of the specs they mentioned were new from the reveal um with Eurogamer a couple of months ago so they kind of just went through them again and I'll, I'll briefly mention them here six teraflops 12 gigabytes of gddr5 ram um 326 gigabytes memory memory bandwidth um they didn't say this on the show but later we heard it was a terabyte hard drive um it is the smallest xbox ever apparently it is smaller than xbox one s which i thought was kind of impressive and it launches november 7th of this year at 499 99 us dollars 500 us dollars it's easier to say that um what is your impression of the Xbox one X as a box from like the, the box perspective and um, all the things they talked about here?
1: So one thing they didn't mention at the conference, but they mentioned uh, about a week or so before uh, the E3 presentation was that they actually unlocked an extra gigabyte of the GDR five Ram for yep. uh, developers. It went from eight to nine, which I think is huge. Uh, that gigabyte can mean a lot for developers. Absolutely I think can, yeah, it's, it's bigger than people really talk about. Um, The box looks really nice. The funny thing to me, and I think this is hilarious, is that when PlayStation announced PlayStation 4 Pro, they made their already existing PlayStation 4 Slim bigger. Like, they just added another layer to the cake. Xbox comes out and announces their... uh, their uh, basically beefed up version, and it goes off of the Xbox One S uh, design, but it's even smaller. So I just thought that was hilarious. It's... I it is honestly impressive that they put that much power
0: in such a small space and it has a liquid cooling vapor chamber in it because they do not want this thing overheating. Um, The box from a design perspective is super impressive. It it is to me, it looks like um, obviously an Xbox one S, but since it's all black, this matte black and the entire back and sides are just vents it kind of reminds me of the ps4 design except just not slanted in the front um i am curious how quiet this thing is because the x one of my favorite things about the xbox one and um the s even though i don't own an s um but i've friends that have it is just how quiet it is um it is a silent machine um so i'm very curious how quiet this box is but the amount of power that they packed in that tiny box super
1: impressive well, even their design choice for the disc tray of, like, it's not on the top block. It's actually hidden underneath. Um, it's in between the separation of the two chunks of the console. Oh, it really I mean, it that's is? That's really huge, too. Yeah, it's the, uh, so, like, you know, on the Xbox One, S, how the disc tray is kind of on the top left yeah. in the middle section of the top rectangle. Mm-hmm. It's actually in between the two rectangles now. It's, like, kind of, like, hidden for the most part, which yep. is super cool for design because it just looks nicer on the Just sleek, you know? and
0: it's going to sit on your shelf and blend right in. It is um, so what do you think about the date and the price?
1: November seventh, um, five hundred bucks. So the date is a little bit later than I anticipated. I actually thought it was going to come out in October. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it price, was even sooner. <laughs> yeah, uh, the price is. Uh, well, both of us guessed. Uh, it's not surprising to me. Um, I think that them them not going four hundred dollars kind of shows that they want this to sell, but they. They're really banking on the games and the Xbox One S selling, um, which Phil has I, said in interviews in the past. Exactly, that this is a premium product. I do think it's still, I do think it's still affordable for those who are interested in the performance aspect of games, not just 4K. Uh, yeah, everyone would like it to be cheaper, but I still don't think it's crazy. Uh, it's not like crazy, crazy expensive. And like I said, they didn't harp on the price too long. They didn't harp on the box itself too long. At the beginning, when they talked about their three pillars of uh, power compatibility craftsmanship, people were like, oh, God, they're going to just go over the teraflops and all this crap again. They didn't. They skirted over it really quickly. The biggest thing I want to say, too, is they were very – this is what Sony should have done with the PlayStation 4 Pro announcement. They just talked about 4K this, 4K that, 4K this. They Xbox came out and said, hey – You know what? There's going to be super sampling for your 1080p TVs. You don't have to worry about having a 4K TV. This is going to make your games run better. Oh, guess what? It's also doing more. It's making all of your games run faster. The UI is going to be better. Like they made all the announcements of why you should own this even if you're not even interested in 4K at all. And I think that's huge because I know a lot of people who don't own 4K. It's not a consumer-facing product yet. It's like kind of still expensive. And them saying like, hey, you have a uh, 1080p TV? this works for you. It's great. Oh, you didn't even really care about how, how pretty your game looks. Well, your games will load faster. So you don't have to worry about having to wait through terrible load screens. I think them saying all of that quality of life stuff is huge. And I think they mm-hmm. learned from the Sony announcement of like, yeah, it's cool to talk about the 4k stuff and how powerful it is. That's great. But we also want to say why this is important to those who aren't interested in 4k. I think they it's, did that. I they
0: was- They did. You're absolutely right. And Sony, the, the PS4 Pro does some of that quality of life stuff, but the problem was Sony didn't say it on stage. Yeah, they and, didn't talk about and it. <laughs> and the message became 4K, 4K, 4K. I think yep. uh, the date was obviously later than I predicted, but just kind of later than I expected in general. October, I thought, would be fine as well. Um, November, The first week there in November um, works, I think. The $500. um, The PS4 Pro is $400, but the difference between these two boxes besides physical appearance and obviously the games, is the, P- the 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 PS4 Pro just upscales things to 4K and HDR. It's not, yep. Yep, it's not true 4K gaming. The Xbox One X is true 4K gaming. It is pushing 4K graphics to your TV. And that is the difference. That really is kind of the bulk of that $100 price difference. Um, it also has a proper 4K Blu-ray player which for some reason Sony didn't put in their own box, even though Blu-ray is their technology. I don't get that at all. Um, So that's really the $100 price difference, and I think that's fair. That's the exact price I predicted. Um, It makes sense to me. I've seen some... I don't want to say backlash. I've seen some criticism... Hot takes. (laughs) takes on Twitter that was like, you know, I paid $500 for an Xbox One already. Like, why am I doing this again? Um, This is a very premium product, I still, while it does do some quality of life stuff, like we've talked about, obviously the biggest push of this is the 4k. And I just still, just like the PS4 pro, I don't think you need this unless you have the 4k TV for it.
1: It's- or if your X, ex- if your launch Xbox one isn't working or is malfunctioning, just like with PlayStation four of like, mm-hmm. Hey, there's no point to, if you're going to be buying a new one, why would you buy the S just, you know, save a couple of extra bucks. Cause this one's going to the, how would I say this? The Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro, their life cycle is going to be longer than the slim models as far as performance, right? So if your thing is broken or it's not working well and you're looking at just buying another one, just save up a little bit and upgrade to these instead of just buying another S or Because they have the a,
0: a longer lifespan ahead of them.
1: Yeah. And I think another huge point is like, yeah, it's $500. I'm not saying it's not a lot of money. But the thing is, is that if you buy this... You have all of your Xbox uh, 360 library that you already had available to you. You have all of your Whoa. Xbox One library Most entirely available to you. library. Where Splinter well, Cell I'm Conviction?
0: Like, where is Splinter Cell <laughs> Conviction?
1: I'm saying like you know everything you already have on your Xbox mm-hmm. One, right? It's have. completely compatible. And this fall, original Xbox Two. On top of the fact that this, just like with PlayStation 4 Pro. Oh, I'm assuming PlayStation 4 Pro. It's probably the case. This already works with all the accessories and controllers you have. So it does. Yes. There, are there is like there isn't. There's these extra costs that you normally would have to buy with the new console. That with PS4 Pro and Xbox, you don't have to because your stuff already is compatible. Mm-hmm. And I think the the power difference is huge. Like it's it, the the checkerboarding is way different than native 4K. Um, and yeah, I just I think it's would I have loved for it to be 400 of course like who wouldn't have wanted who, to be 400 who wouldn't
0: love their cool new video game to be cheaper
1: than what it was announced at exactly but i do think 500 is a competitive enough price for the people to be interested to buy it and i think that's fine
0: i i agree i think this this box the price justifies what's inside the box um yep. so let's get into The games themselves, because there were a lot of games. Phil came out uh, during one point in the show and said there were going to be 42 games on stage. 22 of those were going to have Xbox One uh, launch exclusivity. Um, Exclusivity. Pretty big. So 42 games, that's a lot of games. Um, Some obviously can be um, glazed over. Others deserve some attention. And they opened the show with Forza Motorsports 7, um, which I don't think surprised anyone. Yeah. Um, if there's a new shiny video game box, you better believe there's a new shiny car game. Um, they also got a debut, the 2018 Porsche in real life. Um, I was disappointed it did not come from the ceiling. That's where I looked. <laughs> um, Logan, uh, as you'll hear at the end of the show, he also looked at the ceiling first. He was like, where's the, where's the car coming from this time? Um So like Forza with dynamic weather, it's just, it's a better Forza game, which is cool. It's going to, it's going to look great on the Xbox one X, um, which by the way, are we just going to call it the X? Like what,
1: what do the Xbox X, what do we call it? Uh, I think X bone X is, is pretty good. Uh, X bone X. It's funny. So people were joking, uh, especially kind of funny. We're joking that when the Nintendo NX was revealed, the X is going to give it to you. Now there's actually an X product that can give it to you. So yeah. uh, my dream is to see uh, a maybe a a, it probably fits best with Crackdown or Gears of War. Uh, uh, yeah, a, a Xbox One X commercial with DMX in it. That'd be great.
0: Actually, I can see Crackdown doing that. Please, Crackdown. Yeah. Please. Especially Terry Crews. Oh my Ooh, gosh. Yeah. So after Forza. We got the first world... Well, I mean, Forza technically was a world premiere exclusive. Um, but the first world premiere of, I think, any consequence um, so far Ooh, E3. Baby. Metro Exodus. The third, correct, Metro game? Yep. Third, um, yeah, 2033, then Last Light, and now Exodus. And now Exodus. It appears to be open world. Looks pretty darn good. The It was like this trailer slash gameplay thing like it was it was cinematic gameplay like there was no hud it wasn't you know i've highly doubt some of the things that they did in the trailer are going to be able to do in the game like fight and kick dogs off you when you're climbing a ladder like it was very cinematic more than it was gameplay it was cinematic scripted gameplay <laughs> there we go that is a great yeah. way to put it but they revealed yeah. the game uh jared you were telling me before the show that metro
1: is one of your favorite
0: uh franchises so what did you think about the exodus
1: reveal The thing is is that, like, Metro Last Light is one of the most underappreciated games on the 360 era of games. Um, I think it introduces a lot of really cool mechanics into the first-person shooter genre. Uh, I just think it's an underappreciated franchise. Um, And we had been hearing mumblings about 4A Games working on a couple of games. They basically unveiled their VR game, which was like, okay, for me it's like, whatever, I'm not into VR, right? So I was like, man, is the other game Metro? Please be Metro. And then when we see more Forza Motorsport Seven, the literally, I'm not lying to you. The moment that it panned down and you saw the post-apocalyptic like snow-covered stuff, I was like, it's Metro. And then inside me, I was just building up a like, please be Metro, please be Metro. <laughs> and then the moment that he, uh, the moment that he lit his lighter, well, so he showed his arm, and that was like kind of the the familiar HUD that you're used to with Metro, um, or at least like the the look of it, the aesthetic. Uh, that was, like, the first confirmation of, like, okay, I'm, like, 70% sure this is Metro. And then when he walked in and he lit his his uh, lighter and the cobwebs kind of caught on fire, that's a huge part of Metro, too. So I was, like, okay, this is, like, 95% this is Metro. And then when he leaves the building and he takes off his mask, I was, like, okay, yeah, it's Metro. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is crazy. Uh, I think that this is cool because in the Metro games we've had different environments and stuff like that, but this one seems like it's very uh, – it looks like it's like in Serbia or Russia or something. It's like very snow covered. Uh, there's an emphasis on uh, like mammal type creatures, the big ass bear that comes in towards the end. Uh, I think it looks great. I think that Metro. So I, I said this on another show. Um, think of a European developer. Think of their third entry in a series based off of novels. CD project red with Witcher. <laughs> that was their coming out party. That was it them really saying, was. Hey, we're here to stay. Look at what we made. And, I really hope that this is 4A Games 4A into uh, the 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 limelight and the spotlight uh, because the Metro games are fantastic games. They're always on sale, so if you haven't played them, go get them. They're usually the Metro Redux are usually on sale for like ten bucks every PlayStation and Xbox sale. Um, I definitely think they're a game worth playing if you're if you like first-person shooters. And Metro Exodus looks like 4A Games is taking it to the next level, and they want this to be their baby that uh sells well to the world and i'm super excited i if i was there like logan was you would have heard somebody shout at the top of their lungs and you're like was that jared yeah and yeah it would have been me it would have (laughs) been you i'm i'm
0: curious to see real gameplay um and kind of how it works one of my favorite things and I, i hope this is in the game was when he did come out of the underground area and took off his mask he then pulled out a map and it was actually a map in his hands, and he was yeah. hopefully navigating with that. That was one of my favorite things in Firewatch, was the real map in the hands. And that, I think, is a really cool way to have um, a user interface without being ob- obtrusive. Like, it's not in the way. It's um,
2: it's a it, part it of the world. Immersive, it's immersive.
0: I think Immersive. Thank you. Yeah. That was the word. Um, I, I hope that kind of is cool. It looks... I got a little Fallout kind of vibe from it, just like this... I've never played a Metro game, though. So, you know, this this decaying world with mutant monster things. Um, so I'm curious to see more, but it was cool to see like just a big world premiere first right off the bat. Um, that was a really big thing. And then another world premiere there are a lot of world premieres and maybe i won't mention what each world one was Premier.
2: <laughs> world
0: premiere um for a game that really didn't need a world premiere because we knew everything about it before it was shown um assassin's creed origins both the trailer and gameplay were debuted um in glorious 4k for everyone to see um set in egypt the trailer's pretty cool There was a giant snake that Logan was very cool, excited to see. Um, And then the gameplay, which showed off some RPG elements and other things like that. Um, It looks like a year break from Assassin's Creed really paid off. Um, Yeah. I hope we see a little bit more today at Ubisoft, but we'll see kind of how it all shakes down. But color me interested
1: in Assassin's Creed Origins. I think the demo we see at Ubisoft today is going to be... So we saw, you know, on Microsoft Stage, we saw the assassination demo, right? Of like, here's the target. We're going to show you us going in and getting the target. I think this one is going to play more towards the world of Egypt because that was very linear and focused. And I think on Ubisoft, we're going to have a bigger presentation. I think it's going to be showing us interacting with the pyramids. I think they're going to explain that whole snake fight section. Are those boss fights? Are there boss fights now in, in Assassin's Creed? I think that's pretty huge because... There was they a boss fight in Arcane Assassin's Hill. Creed 2. Yeah, and I think that the, the biggest thing is that... Um, Ubisoft needed to show why you should buy Assassin's Creed again. They needed to show you why this was a mm-hmm. different game. Why, why you should buy this game even if these games come out almost every, well, they came out every year until obviously they took a break. And I think adding all of those RPG elements, focusing on the bow mechanics, which we saw how well that played were for Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the even Assassin mechanics of like shooting the arrow and being able to aim the arrow is crazy. I was like, what the hell, what in black magic is this? Actual eagle vision, though I think it was a falcon. It is or a falcon. Or Everyone, yeah.
0: Everyone's like, it's an eagle. I'm like, it's
1: a falcon. <laughs> but it is like actual eagle vision, right? Yeah, Through a falcon's fart. eye view. Exactly. Um, I One thing I loved is that they didn't show uh the jump of faith at all. That's usually oh, like a go-to in every Assassin's I needed Creed. that, though. That was
0: part of my prediction for it. I'm hoping I see it today. I had It'll to... be
1: off of a pyramid or the Sphinx or something. I guarantee you. that No, that's um,
0: what my my – Ubisoft prediction was Assassin's Creed origin is demoed shows leap of faith off the pyramid. Gameplay is opened up makes max excited. <laughs>
1: that's hilarious. I, so uh, I really, I do. That. So <laughs> I could be incorrect on this fact, but I do believe that the director of this game is the same director from black flag. Um, I remember reading that somewhere. I could be, that could be a wrong fact, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. And you see that throughout this game of like, uh, there's sections. Obviously there's like weird boating sailing sections um, but it just seems like there's a lot in it that make it more than just Assassin's Creed. And for some people that's like, eh, hey, I just want my court Assassin's Creed experience. But for a vast majority of people, they want more than that. And I think they sold this to people who were hesitant. And I think that's all they needed to do. And I think they got the job done. I think it looks super interesting. Uh, the physics engine in the game is really cool too. When, uh, Bayek, the main character, is on his horse coming through that little, like, shantytown city
2: mm-hmm. um and
1: his spear actually interacts with the banner and it moves it out of the way normally in games uh that would clip yeah just but the clip fact right that there's a there's a physics engine in it that actually does that kind of stuff it's the small stuff that i appreciate because i want to be a game dev one day so it's like that's cool the attention to detail is really nice
0: i love it. i love it when games have crazy attention to detail rockstar and naughty dog I think, are the kings Probably of attention yeah. <laughs> of detail. Um, you know, in GTA V, the flip-flops actually flip and flop. You know, it's just like, <laughs> exactly. it's unreal. Um, the next thing they talked about was the prediction that you hit the nail on the head. Players Unknown's Battlegrounds is coming to Xbox first. It's launching late 2017. I, they did not say this at the show, but I assume it will be a Xbox Early Access type title because it's Early Access on PC. I don't see this being some sort of final build. Oh. Um, also,
1: the guy who created the game. So, really quick, he's the one who also created the H1Z1 King of the Kill. Um, so he has he invented this genre for the most part, the battle royale kind of genre. Mm-hmm. He has stated the reason he moved on from that game and made PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds is because he didn't like how they introduced microtransactions before the game was even finished. And his goal is to work with the community to make a finished project, uh, product, and then still reiterate on it. But he wants to ship this. Make it a full release as soon as possible. So it could be that when it does become a full release that that's when it comes out on Xbox as well. Okay. That is, uh-huh. I've, yeah.
0: Yeah, that is very interesting because I just assumed it would be early access. But the game is launching on Xbox first. This is big. Um, my roommate plays this game all the time. It's one of the top streamed games on Twitch right now. It is A lot of people are talking about this game. I think it's a pretty interesting idea, Um, the way my roommate explains it. You're on an island, there's 100 people, the ring gets smaller and smaller, you gotta be the last man standing. Um, Very cool that Xbox reached out and got this window of exclusivity, because this is the kind of stuff that I personally think that Microsoft needs. It's like the second party exclusive stuff, it's like, this game's hot right now, let's get it on our box. I think that's really, really important.
1: Yeah, and do you remember when H1Z1 was supposed to come on PlayStation? <laughs> that never happened, which is weird, and it still hasn't I guess, happened. I
0: guess, yeah, yeah, that was supposed to be a thing that happened.
1: Wait. And I think that's partially why this guy left that company and started this, because he was really frustrated with them being stuck in early access, introducing macro transactions. The, a big problem with early access is games never being completed. Uh, and he said over and over again that he wants to get this completed, have it released, then there will be updates and stuff, but he wants to ship a completed product before they do anything microtransaction related Mm -hmm. as far as like crates and stuff, weird stuff like that. So this, you could honestly circle this for Xbox and say, there's a legitimate case that this was the biggest announcement of the show. Um, from an outsider's perspective of the amount of people that are probably going to buy and play this game. It's a phenomenon. Like it's a huge game. It's, it's Um, really taken.
0: It's really taken the community by storm. Yeah. Um, Probably, actually, as I look at the list of the whole show, probably besides the Xbox One X final stuff, probably the biggest announcement of the show. Um, yeah. The next couple of things they did was they put up a trailer for a game called Deep Rock Galactic. Your dwarves in space mining things. I, I it was a trailer for a game. Um, then they did a State of Decay Two gameplay trailer kind of fusion thing uh, with a spring 2018 release window. Um, Apparently, State of Decay 1 was pretty big, and State of Decay 2 promises to be even bigger. Um, did you have anything you wanted to say about State of Decay? I know this was kind
1: of a bigger uh, one. Well, I think going off of this, and obviously later we're going to talk about Sea of Thieves, but both of these games are early 2018, and I think that Xbox realized, well, not realized, but like they have games coming out this fall too, and I think they could have easily packed in this fall with uh all the games we're going to get into obviously plus state of K 2 plus sea of thieves but i think they realized they're like yeah you can do exclusives in the spring uh too and they work out fine look at near automata neo horizon zero dawn persona 5. Uh, breath of the wild persona 5 like they're like yeah because if early next year if it comes out and like there's red dead redemption well red dead redemption isn't really competing with state of decay 2 it isn't really competing with uh uh, sea a Thieves, so I think they still have room to be really popular and grow. As far as State of Decay 2, I think it was an okay presentation. I'm excited to see the future of Undead Labs, just like with Joseph Ferris uh, with EA. I think the leap from State of Decay 1 to State of Decay 2 is huge as far as gameplay and everything and polish. Um, obviously, there's some weird stuff with animations, but they are a smaller studio. I think the Depending on how well State of Decay 2 performs and is popularized, I think Microsoft could give them a giant-ass budget for their next game, and we could see a huge evolution in the future of Undead Labs as a developer. I think they have a lot of uh, potential, so we'll see.
0: We'll see how it all shakes down. The the next game was something called The Darwin Project, and um, this looks like a, you know, a, a multiplayer fighting Hunger Games-style game. Hunger games style game. Yeah. Um but then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a man just started shouting and was just <laughs> yelling, like, get, trying to get us all excited, even threw in a mixer plug, which is Microsoft's rebranding of their game streaming service. Um, it was just probably the funniest thing so far from E3. Um, I It was weird. But um, the next kind of big announcement they did was Minecraft. Um, some big stuff that actually got me excited and I don't even play Minecraft, but I have been due kind of looking into getting it for Switch. And part of why this got me excited was they announced um, a community marketplace where you would be able to buy, similar to what we talked about Bethesda with the Creator Studio, uh, buy mods and community things like that and be able to sell and share things there. Um, community servers in-game, which I think these two... Um, well then there's also cross play uh, between all the platforms except playstation, which isn't a surprise because Sony is pretty closed off about like even rocket league the like the people were talking about cross play between xbox and playstation for rocket yeah, it's league
1: re- it's really dumb on sony's part oh, I think, it man. is i don't know
0: it is i agree but don't don't worry it's it's <laughs> weird but so those three announcements in particular were all about unifying the minecraft community, and I think that's really really big because um, like it's Stupid. Huge. It's, it's unreal. Um, but I like the idea of being able to play with my friend. Um, he's 14, and he plays Minecraft all the time. He has it on his computer, his Xbox, and his Switch. And now I've been thinking about getting it on the Switch because I like the idea of the portability of it. And the idea to put, be able to play with him on his Xbox or something sounds really cool. Um, the other thing they announced was 4K resolution for minecraft you know the blocky game with 4k graphics i guess um and then the super duper graphics pack which gave it a little bit more real textures and lighting and stuff which i thought was actually kind of funny for the minecraft game but kind of did a good minecraft chunk are you are you a minecraft player are you into the community Uh,
1: so i'm gonna sound super like pretentious or hipster when i say this but like i played minecraft before it was cool Uh i played minecraft like back when they were first introducing like doors and stuff. And I played it for a very long time. I play even played it when it came out on Xbox 360 and Xbox one. Um, I've, I've loved Minecraft forever. I went off the deep end with Minecraft and I just have needed a break for a while. I still love the game, but I was just, I played a lot of Minecraft, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think all these are, are huge community marketplace. Awesome. You know, they don't want to section off their community, but they also want to empower them. Great. Um, there have been servers in game, but like they announced, like massive servers, which are huge. Um, I'm gonna be I'm interested to see the type of mod tools they have because that's very huge as well for these large servers. You need to have uh, mod tools in place so that way people don't just come in and ruin your worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, The cross-play functionality, I think it's huge too. Every time Minecraft is sold, um, Microsoft gets money, so why not? This is obviously just an easy case of, yeah, why should we make it hard for people to decide where to buy Minecraft? Because the more moments people think about where they should buy it, the more moments they think about, should I buy it at all? And when you eliminate that, it's like, I'm going to buy Minecraft. I could play with any of my friends no matter where they own it, as long as it's not PlayStation. As long Um, as it's not PlayStation. (laughs) But but it's definitely not Microsoft. I guarantee you, they were like, we just want it everywhere. And Sony's like... Yeah,
0: yeah we're good. we yeah we're we don't good. want it. it. Definitely, I would agree with um, you that I believe it is Sony
1: that turned this down. Um, um, the the 4K stuff and Super Duper Graphics Pack, both of them are going to be free. Uh, or at least the 4K update is. I don't know about the Super Duper Graphics Pack. I'm pretty sure they said it was free, but I could be wrong about that. Um, those are cool. I think they're they're kind of cheesy, and it's like yeah, it is kind of like well, it's a blocky game. What are you going to do about it? But you would be surprised the amount of people that if they see graphics graphics pack running as opposed to the base Minecraft it'll get that some people interested that weren't just because of um the water dynamics and the uh shaders and lighting and stuff like that I think it bumps it up enough to where some people won't see it as you know so generic or childish I don't want to play that I'm a man
0: you know yes I think that could help I will not play a child's game called Minecraft (laughs) where you fight creepers and blow things up I will build my own castle and I will
1: be the king of it Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was huge. Uh, you know, as as long as Microsoft has a show, they're going to show Minecraft. Um, I'm super thankful that they didn't show anything about the Minecraft movie. They could have easily done that, uh, and they didn't. So that's cool.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> good call. Good. Good. I didn't even think about that. The next. Yeah. Uh, the next thing they talked about was they they acknowledged Japan exists, <laughs> and. <laughs> It was, uh, they showed, they, they kind of had um, five games kind of come out boom, boom, boom here that were longer chunks of trailers and stuff, um, and some of them were cool, some of them um, I'm not particularly interested in, but they're worth mentioning anyway. Uh, the first one, which I am interested in, Dragon Ball Fighters, with a Z there at the end. Um, this is a 2D fighting game with Dragon Ball, and... As a kid who grew up playing um, the 3D Budokai Tenkaichi games, I love me Dragon Ball, and I love me some Dragon Ball fighting games. So I'm very, very interested in this. It looks pretty, pretty slick. Um, I love Dragon Ball. It's too good. Actually, my friend for my birthday got me a Teen Gohan Super Saiyan 2 statue, um, because the Cell Saga is my favorite, and Teen Gohan is the best.
1: I like the Boo Saga myself. Okay, you're um, a boom you're a Boo Saga man. I appreciate Cell Saga though. Um have we have it, has there been clarification if it's Dragon Ball Fighter Z or Dragon Ball Fighters? It's it's Dragon Ball Fighters, but
0: just the, okay. instead of an S it's a Z.
1: Cause I was under the impression that it was Dragon Ball Fighter Z because they want people to know that it takes place during Dragon Ball Z and not uh Super or Dragon Ball. I... I could be wrong about that. I'm not sure. I just, I, I didn't know if you had a clarification. I'll but, double uh, check as as while you talk goes, about it. As far as the game goes, the 2d, uh, 2d definitely gets me more interested. I'm not a fighting guy to begin with much less a 3d fighting guy. That's like next level, next level. Right. Um, the art style they always choose for the Dragon Ball games is like it, it embraces the show and the anime that you remember, but it is kind of a little wonky because it's in a 3d space. I think going super flat 2D uh, art style, this looks like it's pulled out of the show, uh, like more than any other Dragon Ball Z game I can currently remember as far as the fighting games. It looks um, like it looks like the TV show. Exactly. Uh, I'm super interested. It's from the guys who make the Guilty Gear fighting games, which are some of the most respected and longest running fighting games in the community as far as competitive. Uh, and the game looks very well polished uh it's not the dream it's not the dream dragon ball game i personally want but it is i'm actually thinking about buying this one xenoverse never hooked me it looked like a generic way of doing an rpg in dragon ball uh and obviously all the other the budokai Budokai games and stuff like that didn't really interest me the last one i really loved was i believe was the legacy of goku on game boy advance i believe that's what it was called i could be wrong about that um it was more rpg-ish um yeah i'm super excited for this i think it's cool Uh, I wasn't planning on buying a Dragon Ball, uh, fighter game anytime soon, but this one has me super interested, uh, and the 3v3 fight style, the Marvel versus Capcom style, I think is super intriguing too, uh, Mm -hmm. adds a little bit more uniqueness to it, so yeah, definitely excited, arrow up on this game. Um, to
0: provide clarity on names, the Game Boy Advance game was called The Legacy of Goku, um. (laughs) So you were right about that. Also, the name of the game, as officially written, is Dragon Ball Fighter. And the Z is capitalized, but there is no space. So it is Dragon Ball Fighters, but the Z is capitalized, (laughs) which I think helps clarify it's Dragon Ball Z, but it's still called Dragon Ball Fighters. It's odd. Yeah. Um, Yeah. A couple of the other games here really quick was uh, Black Desert, which is an MMORPG um, coming to Xbox first. Very very cool. It kind of reminds me of the same type of game as Final Fantasy XIV. Um, just so known can...
1: for having the best character creator, apparently, out of all
0: MMOs. So, so yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, so we'll see how it shakes out on Xbox. I think that's just a genre that's not really met a ton on console, and to have Xbox have some sort of launch exclusivity with it, pretty pretty cool. A trailer for a game called The Last Night popped up. Um, it's like this pixel Blade Runner kind of game. Looks pretty pretty cool um curious to see more like actual gameplay of it it's i I highlighted it in our notes but is there anything you wanted to kind of add about the last night
1: no it, it looks super stylized and the thing with me is uh when it comes to indie games they either have to be super polished and doing like if you're a platformer or if you're a shooter or something you have to do things very good or you have to be super dynamic and stylized to a point that you get me intrigued as well. And I think this does that. We don't really know what the gameplay is specifically, but I'm super mm-hmm. interested. It it's, looks
0: gorgeous. It's piqued my... It's peaked, I think, a lot of people's interest. Another game was called The Artful Escape. This is probably the trippiest game I've seen in a long time. It looks like this crazy man that platforms with a guitar every time he makes a note. He can... A, a platform appears beneath him. It looks very funky. Um... It's it's a weird. It looks game. like a
1: level in uh, Little Big Planet, to be quite honest with you, and I'm kind of down with that. Like, it just gives me Little Big Planet vibes to some extent of like this weird misshapen world. He's kind of like he's kind of like puppeted too. Like on some of the movements, he's not yeah, really he's, moving he's like odd. yeah, super seamlessly. It just reminds me totally of like a level somebody created in Little Big Planet. I don't know why. That's not that's not a bad thing to me, and I love the music of him just hitting the guitar and riffing. Oh, that's so good. Um, and
0: then the other game they did was called Code Vein. Um, looks like an anime Dark Souls. That's kind of the best my roommate gave said that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to call it anime Dark Souls from now on. Um, so interesting. It's cool to see a Japanese game, kind of like Dragon Ball. See fighters, Dragon Ball fighters. I'm it's, worried
1: about the combat, though. Like, with Code Vein, it's, the the problem I have is with the teaser, they said, like, prepare to dine because, you know, Bandai Namco is totally playing off the success of yeah. Dark Souls. Oh, yeah. And... I'm worried that this is going to somehow backwardsly tarnish Dark Souls because this is going to be attached to the Dark Souls to some capacity and this might not be a good game, so I'm kind of worried about that. Um, also, I personally don't like the juxtaposition of the anime characters and then the darker world around them. That's just me. Uh, I'm willing to give it a try, doesn't though. It doesn't mesh like, together. Souls, so. Yeah, just odd. Yeah, um, odd, odd, odd is I'm a really good, way good way to good put gameplay. it. Yeah, I'm willing to give it a chance, but I am uh, cautiously uh, pessimistic. <laughs> cautiously pessimistic, all right.
0: Um, speaking of gameplay, we got another gameplay demo for Sea of Thieves, and this one was much better than last year's showing. Um, I would say 100% better than last year's showing because it wasn't like a bunch of people trying to stream the game and showing that shared world. It was instead properly narrated and scripted, um, And very funny with a guy doing kind of a piratey accent. Um, It showed off sailing, swimming, treasure hunting, and combat, all with your friends. The way I described it on Twitter uh, was Pirate Destiny, just with rare humor. This shared world, sailing around, hunting treasure, um, and doing cool piratey things. My coming out early twenty eighteen, which is a little later than I would have thought for Sea of Thieves. I would have actually put it closer to. I almost said Scorpio. Uh, Xbox One X's <laughs> launch um, but tw- early 2018 is fine as long as that game comes out. I am the combat looked a little slow to me like the I, I know they're actually kind of sticking with pirate time themes with how you reload the gun by putting the bullet in the chamber and then you know you load and cock it but it seemed a little slow to me and a big thing I'm worried about is I'm a huge Destiny player but I don't know, when I look at this and I think Rare, I'm, I want a single-player game from Rare, and I'm just worried about the longevity of this game as well because Destiny, especially Vanilla, really didn't have any longevity. We're doing the same thing over and over. I'm just curious how diverse Sea of Thieves is going to be. What do you think about it?
1: So first of all, uh, I would. I, I do see the comparisons of Destiny, but at least Rare hasn't promised a story and not delivered like hey, Destiny that, did. Oh believe me they're doing much better like destiny (laughs) yeah
0: yeah. and destiny 2 to be fair is doing a lot better than destiny 1 did destiny 1 very 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 bad pr leading up to it it's it's bad so i can
1: actually say now uh because i've been under nda for a very long time i've actually played quite a bit of sea of thieves i've been part of like the alpha testing beta testing for quite a long time but i haven't been able to say anything wait so we have a scoop we have a hot scoop right here uh well i don't know if it's a hot scoop the game plays a lot better than it will ever show i guarantee you that no matter how much humor no matter how much quippiness how much they show of the game that game you'll only know if you like it if you get your hands on it like so i was hesitant to not from the perspective i don't think it's going to be a good game but i'm like is this a game for me whatever like well the game is so fun dude like it is so fun and it's 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 one of those games that it's not these huge overarching events that matter most to you. It's the things in between those. It's the uh, forcing your friend because he didn't listen to you for all of you guys forcing him to walk off the plank. It's uh, planning with your friends to make sure everybody's doing something. It's those moments of panic when something's happening that it's not supposed to. Um, I do think that this game might also get delayed next the beginning of next year. Um, This is one of those games that people are excited for, but I do think it's a game that you need to make sure you release with the right amount of content. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting the treasure in your chip and taking it to the outpost is really fun because one thing that they didn't really cover, but they kind of did in the gameplay that they showed uh, yesterday, was that... It's a giant sea between you and the outpost. So at any point, you can get into another – you can find another ship. You can also get greedy and try to go for multiple treasure at once and try to stock up. Like it's all about what you plan to do as a crew. Um, The one thing they haven't talked about either that I think is a huge part that they haven't even talked about and you can't even do this in the beta. Do you get to create your own pirate or is it like every time you log in, you get a different uh, pre-constructed pirate? Uh, model
0: i hope you get to make your
1: own yeah i hope so and i hope that's part of the because you're building your ship and you're building your crew and all that stuff but i hope that part of the stuff you get too is like items for you like uh like a pirate on your shoulder or like all of this stuff Mm -hmm. um personalization customization exactly um i do think that this is a game obviously that'll live and die with its community and i do think they Everything they've said and the way they've talked about it, I do think they know how to nourish that community. And this is going to be a living product. I think, unfortunately for people who want to see Rare do something for a while, I think it'll be a couple years. I don't think this is going to be a game like Minecraft where it goes on forever, but I do think this will be a game that lasts and is focused on by Rare or maybe an outside studio. Maybe Microsoft gets like Playful, the guys who are making a game we'll talk about pretty soon. Maybe they get them to uh, work on this post-release as far as updates go. But I've played it it's a game that plays people loved that demo last uh, last uh, last night or yesterday actually um, it'll play better than it could ever look and okay. my arrow's up on it and I'm very intrigued by it and it is fun, it looks slow there are some issues that I understand why like, people might be worried about it but the game plays so well especially if you're playing with a group of friends which I haven't even had the opportunity, I've been playing with other people obviously in the beta program but yeah man, it's it's a very fun game to play just those awesome. little moments of panic yeah
0: I can't I can't wait to see more and one thing you said that I'll touch on real quick before we move on is it's those little moments and that's the same thing in Destiny Destiny sure has the big moments in the raids and stuff and I'll always remember the first time I've ever run any of the raids in that game but it is the little moments with your friends and that's what really makes these games cool and I think yeah I think Rare can nail that um and I, I really do hope it pays off. Um, I'm very curious to see more as it gets closer and closer to launch early next year, hopefully. Uh, the next uh, couple of games they talked about was Tacoma, which is from the people that made Gone Home. Uh, their game Steve is launched. Steve yep. yep, Steve Gainer's game. Um, sounds like it's ex- exclusive to Xbox as far as consoles go. Uh,
1: uh, it's like Witness or Insight. So it's going to come out and then... Months later, it'll come out on PlayStation as well, it seems okay. like. The messaging is weird. Like It's, it's weird. That's why I didn't have yeah. it
0: in red. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. It's going to
0: launch much sooner than I thought, um, August 2nd, which I'm very excited about because I can't wait to see what they do next. The next game is called Super Lucky's Tale. It is a, a sequel to that Oculus game, Lucky's Tale. Um, character platformer, very cute. And I mean that in a nice way, in like an endearing way. It looks like a classic 3D character platformer, which... Well,
1: 3D and 2D. There were sections in that trailer that were 2D Mm -hmm. platforming as well, which is pretty cool.
0: The game has my interest. That is a genre that has kind of been in a weird flux lately. Um, And at least from my perspective, as far as Microsoft goes, they don't really have a ton of those, especially the Xbox One kind of era. Um, I think, you know, the character mascot platformer, it's kind of a weird, it's, it's almost like in limbo, like it comes and it goes, you know, we're getting the rare collection, or not the rare collection, the, um, the Crash Bandicoot, you know, remaster here at the end, and then we've got a new Mario game coming out, but besides, you know, and then Ratchet and Clank was the year before, like it's, it's this weird flux, so I'm cool to see Microsoft, uh, put some money behind one, um, I'm curious to see how it all pans out here in the end, um, Cuphead, Cuphead's back, and it has a launch date of September 29th, Praise the maker. Oh, my gosh.
2: That I mean, needed a date. It's so it, they, bad.
0: They, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm also glad they just put a short trailer up. They didn't, like, drag them out and go, look at everything that's changed in Cuphead. It was like, we know. Here it is. Well, they were also
1: self-referential. Like, in the thing, it's like a game you've never seen before. And then they crossed out never. So it's like a game you've seen before. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That was super
0: funny. It's, it was like, yeah, we get it. They did. They did good. They were short, sweet, and said, all right, it's coming out it's coming out. Um they also kind of a side note they announced uh, a four vinyl set with classic 1930s packaging from 8 bit and it looks really good but I'm not sure how the music's going to sound. Um, and the composer tweeted at me and was like it'll soothe you. So but I I don't know. I'm curious. <laughs> like I just I the packaging looks nice on that. It's cool. I love video game vinyls. Um the next really big thing, Crackdown 3 emerges from the shadows. With Terry Crews front and center, giving us a trailer with some gameplay bits and launching with Xbox One X out on November seventh. Um, I've watched my brother play Crackdown Two a lot, but other than that, I'm not really familiar with the franchise. Jared, what is Crackdown Three? Just more Crackdown? Is this good? Is this
1: is this what everyone wanted? Yeah. So if if people like liked Crackdown, so a lot of people don't like Crackdown Two that are that love Crackdown. Crackdown one is like what people really like. Um and obviously Crackdown 2 is like a mixed bag. A lot of people do like it, but everyone, for the most part, loves the first Crackdown. They're Collecticon a Collectathon. Jeez, I can't even talk. They're Collecticon <laughs> <laughs> Collectathon games that basically make you feel like a superhero. Um I think it's really it's a really cool niche-y kind of thing where it's not necessarily a superhero game but you do a lot of stuff to make you feel empowered um one thing that they didn't really go about is showing how destructible everything was which was kind of odd for a crackdown game you figured that they would kind of lean into that but they didn't really for a lot of it uh then partnering with terry Crews for the marketing genius he fits the tone so well like so so well um Honestly, at first, before he started hearing more of his dialogue and he was talking to you more as a superior, I thought they actually maybe changed the main character and he was going to be modeled after Terry Crews. I was like, oh, I thought, maybe I they didn't want think Terry Crews was in the game. Yeah, I do think it's smart for them to uh, partner with him. I do think it's smart for this game to come out uh, the day the console launches. Uh, we have a, a pretty good amount of games that come out the day the console launches in different genres too. Um, Crackdown 3 isn't something I'm super interested in buying, but I do think they sold it to people on the fence or people who love Crackdown. And I think that's all they needed to do. So it was, it was good to see it come back. The next thing they did was a little bit of a
0: indie montage with ID at Xbox, lots of little games in there. I couldn't even keep track of all the games that they showed off there, but they kind of showed off one more indie game at the end of it, uh, which was called Ashen, which I believe was revealed at E3 last year may have been the year before, yeah. Um, but it was definitely a game that kind of was revealed and then it's been dark since, and now we've seen more of that game. Uh, Jared, I know you wanted to talk about this game specifically. Uh, what's the deal with Ashen?
1: So Ashen takes the darkest, creepiest, more, most Lord of the Rings parts of Dark Souls, I think, and injects them into an indie game. Um, it has an art style similar to Absolver, if you're familiar with that game. Uh, the no faces, the more like less polygon, more shape-color kind of design. It's, it's kind of hard to communicate. Yeah, you, you just have to look it up. Um, it kind of actually looks like... Um, dang, I can't remember the name of the game. It's a turn-based strategy game. Massive Chalice. Kind of like that art style a little bit. Okay. Um, it, it's really interesting because... You're, I'm still not sure what the... like. There's fighting gameplay, you fight bosses and stuff like that, but I'm still not sure what the moment-to-moment gameplay is. Like, There's two characters, it's not really communicated if that's you and somebody else, or if that's you and an NPC. Um, it Yeah, there's a lot of interesting thing, uh, parts about it. Some of the uh, enemy reveals are really interesting, of like, the guy's walking down, somebody turns the corner and starts walking and this like witch character pops up, or like phantom, and vanishes into the hallway. It's more spooky... Uh, and I think it's more spooky and horror than dark souls is, but I do think it's going to probably share a lot of the mechanics of, uh, you go through these areas with these kind of difficult enemies. And then there's going to be these big boss fights. As we saw at the end of it, there's a reveal, this like giant menacing kind of stonish creature with a giant, uh, staff or a walking stick or something. And he crushes down. Um, uh, it seems like there's going to be these like big area boss fight kind of moments. I'm just interested to learn more about the game. No release date yet. But this is something like definitely on my watch list of, yeah, that intrigues me. I want to play that. So that's all they got to do, really.
0: It's blipping on your radar. You you think about it. The next game they showed off was a prequel to Life is Strange called Life is Strange Before the Storm. It is a three episode run with the first episode out on August 31st. Kind of reminds me of Telltale's Michonne miniseries for The Walking Dead um apparently the game has a deluxe edition that includes a bonus fourth episode i don't know how i feel about that locking (laughs) uh, locking a special episode behind a you know the deluxe version like i i feel obligated to get the deluxe version at that point but um it's kind of cool to see them making a prequel to this game Uh, i haven't played it yet logan said max play it it's on ps plus can you do it now? So maybe Abby and I will play through that since it's like a telltale game. Um,
1: Dude, yeah, play through it. Play through it with your wife. Uh, I was about to say girlfriend. I was like, no, he's married. No, um,
0: fiance. I'm
1: getting fiance, married. Fiance, sorry. It's right I'm in the sorry. middle. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a great game for you guys to play. Uh, like I said before we started recording, um, it's it's like 35-plus-year-old like French guys writing American teen dialogue. So some of it is going to be a little for lack of a better term, cringy, um, But this overarching story and the characters and everything, the moment-to-moment uh, stuff and the decisions you make and the time manipulation mechanic, it's a game you definitely need to play, man.
2: Right. Definitely.
1: I'll make sure I uh, I
0: queue up a download for it here uh, after the show. The next big thing they kind of went into um, was the Lord of the Rings Shadow of War gameplay demo showed off taking over this special orc with lots of personality for an orc, um, and then taking over a castle and some stuff there at the end. it really kind of showed, I think, the heart and charm of the game instead of the cool, snazzy gameplay. Because back when it was the IGN first game, when they revealed it, or I don't even know if it was the IGN first, but IGN revealed the game, that I felt like showed us off the cool new gameplay, and I thought this was more character charm, heart of the game and world, Um, Yeah. Did you have anything you wanted to say about Shadow
1: of War? This is... uh, I'm going to draw a comparison, and then I'll get you there. So, at first, it's going to sound odd. This is... It's odd how similar Shadow of War and Destiny 2 are having to deal with the same thing and dealing with it the same way of... On the surface, Shadow of War and Destiny 2 look like games that you can essentially say, why isn't this just an expansion? There's nothing new here. But... They've gone in deeper and said, like, no, we're changing what a lot of people disliked about the game. For Shadow of War, it's like, yeah, some of the environments, there wasn't a lot of variety there. We're changing that up. But there's a ton of personality in these characters. For Destiny 2, it's like, well, where's the narrative? It's hard for me to find people to play with. You're making that too hard. They changed it up so you can find people easier. Also, you got more character in that teaser trailer with Cade 6 than you did in the entire vanilla Destiny. (laughs) Yeah. so I didn't think both of these games are like, no, our games have personality. We're fixing the issues. There's a reason to buy these. These are these are sequels or next levels to what we already made. These aren't simply, oh, these could have been expansions that were tagging a sixty dollar price tag. Mm-hmm. I do think they both have had to deal with the same issue and they both are handling it pretty well. So I think there's a, a really cool comparison there of these two companies having to handle pretty much the same issues. Um overarching anyways and yeah shadow of war that's been a game that from when it was first announced is an auto buy for me because i love the nemesis system so much and i love lord of the rings and yeah this isn't canon but we're not getting any canon games anytime soon so never it's yeah it's actually i love lord of the
0: rings is one of my favorite series of all times both the movies and the books but i never played shadow of mordor which is kind of surprising because it essentially sounded like Arkham, you know, City Arkham Knight combat with Lord of the Rings, yeah. and then a really cool nemesis system, which sounds super intriguing. And in the fact that no other game really has taken that idea is kind of surprising. And then watching the Shadow of War gameplay, I was like, man, I should just, I should just play this game. I should because I, I love. Yeah, I, it's, it sounds like a perfect game for me. I just it, it flew by me. I missed it. The next game they showed off was a sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest. Um, called Ori and the will of wisp did a trailer, no gameplay opened up live with some piano tunes, which was kind of cool to see harkened a little bit back to the Sony press conference last year with a orchestra. So it was cool to see some live music. A lot of people love Ori. So it's cool to see them making another game about that. I thought,
1: did you have anything? Yeah. I, yeah, I love Ori and the blind forest. Like it's, it's an Xbox exclusive that like really never gets talked about. It's some of the most beautiful art you'll ever see. I really, it's, Speaking of, I know this isn't about this, but Ubisoft better show off some UBR games. I want a sequel to Child of Light. I want a sequel to Valiant Hearts. I yeah. want something UBR. Give us that, give us that UBR. Yeah,
2: uh,
1: And that's worry <laughs> Mario Cross Rabbids. Ub art game exactly, oh god! Uh, <laughs> and that's what Ori does. Is it's a beautiful game. I'm very particular about my platformers, and I really like the way Ori plays. A funny side note: Are you familiar with the game Outland? No, I am not. So Outland is a platformer developed by um, uh, Housemark, who's famous for Alienation, Zombie Nation. Uh, I think Next Machina, right? That's Next their Machina, game. yeah,
0: and um, Rezogun and Super Stardust, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're a very well-accomplished studio. They make very good games. Outland, probably a good game, but as particular as I am with platformers, I loaded that game up, I played it for about 10 minutes, and I hard quit. Too floaty for me. I'm very particular about my platformers. Okay, you sound um, like me like with my card games. Nails that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Holy. Um and it's something against those games, it's just not for me. I like, mm-hmm. I know what I like and I know what I don't like, right? Yeah, um, and Ori is a beautiful game. I don't want to spoil Ori for people who haven't played it because I think a lot of people are probably going to play the first one now that the sequel is announced. But the through line in Ori is that you're dealing with loss and there's a very big confrontation with owls. It's really cool to see that the second game touches on a partnership between Ori and. And an owl, and that owl dealing with loss. We saw that in the trailer. So it is connecting those two games in a very interesting way. And there is a through line there. The animation of the frog coming out of the swamp was beautiful. Like, this game is so gorgeous. The next time somebody, as ignorant as they are, tell you that video games are not art, the best presentation of it is to point them to Ori in the Blind Forest or this now and be like, how is this not art? Like, what are you telling? Like, come on now. You're crazy. Um, You're crazy I, people. Yeah, exactly. And I love that this is an exclusive franchise for Microsoft that hasn't blown up or anything, and I don't think it ever will, but they are putting money and time into making this a thing for people who care because it is a playable Pixar movie. It's sad. It'll make you cry depending on how emotional you are or it'll make you just feel terrible. And sometimes we need that in games, and I really love it. So Sometimes
0: I'm super excited about that sequel. you need to cry in a video game.
1: Um, sometimes you need to cry, period.
0: There's nothing wrong with sometimes. crying. Just sometimes. There's nothing wrong with crying. I would agree with that. The There were two more things at the Xbox E3 2017 press conference they closed out with. Um, the first one was announcing something I didn't even think was possible. OG Xbox backward compatibility. The disc work. You can put in your original Xbox disc into your 2017 Xbox One X and it will work. That is just... This is literally the entire—granted, they have to get developer approval for the games just like the 360, but the entire lifespan of the Xbox brand can be played on one box. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, this this makes me even more salty towards Sony. I'm tired of the excuses from Sony saying, it's technically impossible, we can't do this, we can't do that, yada, 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 They I agree
0: with you. Like, and I'll defend PS3 backward compatibility simply because oh, yeah, of the cell the architecture. architecture. But the fact that yeah. I can't play Castlevania Symphony of the Night on my PS4
1: is it just, baffling. I just think it's, a, I don't want to say lazy excuse because it's going to make me sound like they're just lazy and they don't want to do it. But I do think they're just not investing enough time or effort into it. We heard uh, Sony's upper management talk about how like, it's not even worth it. And they were talking and they were talking about numbers and all this stuff. And I think even the data that's like, oh, yeah, Xbox is long. It's not even that popular. I think the data can even be skewed. Like data doesn't represent context. And, you know, the data was saying that only, uh, what, 5% of uh, people uh, play time on Xbox One is through backwards compatibility. Well, that doesn't say how many people actually use it. Like, I don't know. There's weird contextual things in the data that don't make sense. I think even if not a lot of people use it, this is an optics thing of this gives you good grace with people. And sometimes you have to do things that won't necessarily make you money, but will earn you praise and get you back into the the good light of gamers. And ever since 2013's abysmal showing, and then ultimately firing uh, Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly. Matrick. Fred his real name. Don Matrick. Yeah, Don Mattingly's the... I think one of the uh, managers for like the Dodgers or something. Um, Completely Phil Spencer took over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Phil Spencer has been taking over and trying to... He's a gamer. He comes out in a t-shirt. He's not in a business suit. He's trying to communicate to people that he's a gamer and he understands what they want. And I think they've really done this with Game Pass, backwards compatibility, now original Xbox. And I've said this time and time again, Microsoft doesn't have the software, and I think with Phil Spencer there, they're trying to get as much as we can. And I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see some crazy new IP. Phil Spencer's talked about not wanting to announce things too early considering the way Scalebound happened. I think Phil Spencer's going to take the route of Bethesda of announcing games and having them released within that same uh, calendar year,
0: it's,
1: or at least up until the next E3. I was going to say, I think everything we saw in
0: this show is coming out before next E3, except for Anthem.
1: Yeah. Um... Exactly. Um, and I, I really think that once they get software going, Microsoft is going to be in a great position if they do decide to enter the next generation with the new Xbox. We've we've heard that's not their positioning, but we don't know. Things can change. And the problem with Sony is that they announce all of these games that like all the games look fantastic. Like I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, I'm jealous every every exclusive that PlayStation has. I can't play. They don't have release dates. We have no one. idea when the hell they're coming out. And they they didn't talk about any JRPGs last year. Considering they're the JRPG box, there was no Nino Cooney on stage. There was no. They didn't even show Persona Five last year, which is insane to me. They just didn't talk about that. They didn't even really talk about indies. They don't do anything. They don't talk about any services, any quality of life improvements. The download times on PlayStation compared to Xbox are abysmal.
2: It's I awesome.
1: love that Sony has all of this software. But the thing to me is I think every all the hard work Xbox is putting in now, the software is a lot, quote-unquote, easier. I know games aren't easy to make. But creating a library and working with third-party partners, I think com- it will complete their package easier than the road Sony has ahead of doing all of this other stuff for people. Like It's great that you have the games, and yeah, games matter. Don't get me wrong. But where's all the quality of life? I have plenty of people on PlayStation that they're kind of getting the shit end of the stick because as long as they have the good games, they can kind of... Uh, treat you guys poorly to some extent i don't know it just i wish playstation did more from that perspective for gamers and it doesn't seem like they're doing that
0: we'll find out tonight
1: (laughs) (laughs) which i'm I'm
0: sure will be the same as last year just games 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 that aren't coming out anytime soon which Um, is cool but yeah it's definitely a great way to hype people up but it doesn't show me what i'm gonna be playing in six months um They closed the show with a gameplay demo for Bioware's Anthem, which we kind of talked about at the top of the show. was teased, Um, and so this came to fruition. It has some Destiny vibes. I saw some Twitter jokes. I think uh, Jason Trier or Kirk Hamilton was like, oh, joke's on us. EA's been making Destiny 2 this entire time. Um, It's this huge open... I don't want to say open world, it's this huge world, um, unique, kind of overgrown, animal, savage, space feature game. You're taking flight in these spacesuits called Javelins, very Iron Man-like, teaming up with players, taking down bosses together. To me, this didn't seem actually very much like a Bioware game, because Bioware games to me are very RPG, narrative-focused games, and this seemed to lean more into action and uh, co-op community type of gameplay. Um, it was cool. Very cool looking game. Just didn't scream Bioware
1: to me. Uh, what did you think of Anthem as a way to close well, the show? So it not screaming Bioware I think is a huge good thing for Bioware. Um, not that I don't like the Bioware games, but I think the people who are quote-unquote burned by Andromeda, I, I can have a whole conversation about that that I don't want to take up too much time on. Um, but I do think, yeah, it didn't look like a Bioware game, which I think is good for them. This looks like it has the promisings of everything I was promised with the first vanilla Destiny. Um, it looks very rich. Looks very deep. This looks like a game that has been worked in-house on for five years with a tremendous budget. Like this game looks beautiful. Another interesting thing too is they went opposite of Destiny, where in the cities you're first person, and when you're actually out in the world you're third person. Whereas in Destiny, in the cities you're third person, and in obviously in the world game, you're, you're first, first person. person. Yeah, so it's like they flip flop that, which I think is interesting, and I think can separate it enough from Destiny. Um, they're going to be compared, but I do think they're going to offer different experiences. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. I, I personally, I so I like Destiny. I'm probably going to get Destiny 2. I sci-fi is like my favorite thing, but comparing these two games side by side, the Bioware game Anthem really intrigues me more um, because, and obviously this is a dumb comparison, but it's it's relevant. Is like destiny's great and it is unique but I do see a lot of halo inspiration because it's from Bungie obviously like there's a lot of halo in that game for anthem I don't see as much I don't see as much mass effect in anthem as I do halo in destiny if that makes sense it does and right. that kind of excites me
2: I, and I do
1: like yeah and I do like uh that it seems like you'll be able to switch through suits we don't know that yet it's kind of assuming things but it does seem like you'll be able to swap quote-unquote classes a lot easier. Um, and there are, is the rare loot drop stuff, which I personally like in Destiny. It's one of my favorite parts of, like, getting a new gun. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if there's, like, a raid mechanic. The world looks deep. I, obviously, we don't know if it's an open world, but it looks deep of, like, when he goes underwater and you unlock a new area. I'm like, well, how deep underwater can you go? Like, is there, like, like a, what's the name of the city in Star Wars with the Gungans? Oh, Uh, I know what you're talking about. It's on Naboo. Yeah, everyone knows. We don't know if there's something down there. Um, I do think they're doing a good job of teasing monsters, but not showing anything that's like the wow factor. I think they're going to save that for next year when it's their launch window, right? When it's closer to release. They showed the like evolve looking monster, which is cool on its own, but it's nothing creative or unique. I think them flying through and showing that stampede of like wildebeest kind of things is cool. The world looks really dense. Um, they've. It seems like. And I'm not going to say EA is a better publisher than Activision. Don't please don't don't misconstrue my words. But it seems like EA is like, yo, Bioware Edmonton, work on this game. We're going to give you a budget. We have a release date you need to meet, but just put all of your hard work into it. This game looks more detail oriented than Destiny 2. Um, the just the the little creatures running around and like it just looks a lot more dense than Destiny, which I hope Destiny 2 nails as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for this game. Like I was excited going in because it's my favorite developer, arguably ever. But I was still hesitant of like how much like Destiny is this going to be. I'm worried. We got the tease at EA. And I'm like, well, still it's like a wall. It's like Evolve just from that 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 uh, presentation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, like I'm arrows up. Like I'm super excited. I think we're going to see a lot more crazy monsters and crazy gameplay stuff. And I think we got enough to satiate people. And they didn't show way too much to get the average gamer excited for a game that isn't coming out for a year plus more than likely. So.
0: Yeah, they they didn't overpromise anything either. It was like, this is what yeah. we've been working on. Cool. Um, we'll see you probably in a year um, when we show you it again at E3 2018. Um, it's going to be – it's an interesting. I'm keeping my eye on it. Um, yeah. It is interesting that most – because we talked about Sea of Thieves earlier. It's interesting to see games compared to Destiny because Destiny – at least in the console space was really kind of the first big game to do the shared world type of thing. Um yep. and it's interesting. I'm I'm excited to see what other developers have learned by watching Destiny and also later this year curious to see what Bungie has learned from this experience as well. So we'll see how also we...
1: first time. hmm I think it's the first time we saw a Bioware game for the first time there wasn't a single dialogue tree.
0: True. Yeah. I, I'm very curious <laughs> how any of this narrative is gonna work out. It's gonna be
2: Yeah.
0: It's gonna be very interesting to watch. Um so as we wrap up here cuz that was the end of the the press conference proper um overall kind of final thoughts Xbox
1: press conference what did, what did you think overall I think they did what people wanted them to do The biggest complaint going in is sell us the Xbox One X show us a shit ton of games I think they did both of those things they, I think they sold the Xbox One X to the people that were even thinking about buying it. I don't think they did anything to detract those people. They didn't necessarily do everything they could to sell people who weren't even interested, but I don't think that's what Phil Spencer's talked about. I don't even think that's the market they're trying to hit, right? Um, they showed game after game after game after game after game. Phil Spencer talked up there a couple of times, but there was like... I don't think there was a passage of at least three games before someone else talked. Um, mm-hmm. I think... Yeah, I think that was huge. People said, we want to see games, Microsoft, and feels like, hold my beer. Like, he is like, here, here are all the games. Um, I do think that it's impressive that they did this much without a Gears or a Halo. Not that I, I don't think that they could do that, but the per, the average person's like, they can't do anything without Gears or Halo. Like, uh, just that, that, that talk. I do, to be quite honest with you, I was expecting to see at least one or two more first-party games. But... Considering Sea of Thieves and State of Decay don't have released it yet, I understand why they would want to showcase those again. And like we previously talked about, Phil came out after the scale-bound cancellation and he was up front. He's like, we learned we're not going to be talking about games as early as we normally would. We're not doing that anymore. So for people to think that we're going to see a, a Xbox IP that's you know, a year or two years out, I think that was kind of odd for them to think that considering Phil Spencer's um, interviews stating otherwise. Please, yeah, please I think next comments. year we're going to see... I think next year we're going to see some type of Halo tease, maybe Gears, I don't know. But I do think next year is going to be uh, a bunch of third parties again. But I do think we're going to see at least like one or two new IP that they didn't want to show too early this year. Um, Yeah, I thought it was a great show. I think they've had the best conference so far, which usually the way rankings go when you're all said and done is usually the big three are ranked out. And then the publishers individually, just because like, you know, there's not as much hype around them or reveals or stuff like that. But I think Xbox did everything they needed to do. I think uh, it wasn't a perfect conference because, like I said, a couple of new big AAA IP would have made this, like, phenomenal. But I do think this was a solid conference. They did what they needed to do. And I think the arrow's up on Xbox moving forward until the next year. So,
0: I agree with that. It's For me, as someone who—I own all three game boxes now— um, which is actually, I think, the first time I've ever owned all three during their life cycles proper. Um, so it's pretty cool and exciting. So I definitely went in wanting to see, besides what Xbox One X is, why I should turn on my Xbox. And I thought I got a couple yeah. of answers to that. Players Unknown Battlegrounds. Um, specifically, was kind of the big one. I'm curious about Sea of Thieves. Um, the OG backward Xbox backward compatibility. If they put Chaos Theory on there, I'm good. I'm gold. It's perfect. Yeah. Um my and they I thought they took really good notes from community response and I think from Sony, the last two E threes, about these were games. It was like boom 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 boom. There was like you said, very little talking. It was like just show us the games. I thought they definitely delivered on showing us games, I was actually very worried at the beginning of the show when they spent all that time on Forza and showed us a real car, yeah. and I was like, "Oh yeah. no, we're Forza going back." Forza
1: huge, man. That's like that's like FIFA during EA of like, yeah, most of us aren't interested in that, but, but it the sells a lot. Otherwise, yeah, <laughs> exactly. it sells a
0: lot. But my my biggest and the way I'm going to say this sounds harsher than I mean it, but issue, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but for me. Like you, I didn't. I was hoping for more Xbox exclusive, like true exclusive. Yeah. They kept saying exclusive, yeah. exclusive, but these were launch exclusives. And I just was like, some of these, like Tacoma, I'll probably play on my Xbox because it's coming first. I want to see what they're playing. Cuphead and things. Like, there wasn't a specific game I saw that I was like, holy cow, I can't wait to play that on my Xbox. Like, just something that really kind of took my breath away. It was all really. Good stuff. It a was last like the
1: Horizon Dawn. Like yeah, it wasn't. Like there, so, like there wasn't a big
0: hype up, yeah. moment. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where, like last year Sony's press conference, like you said before, it was like it's all games that have no dates. You're absolutely right. But there were some hype moments, and it just, and it, it's this weird dance. It really is for both of them, because I'm sure Sony tonight is going to be very similar. We're going to get some dates for the games we saw last year, and then more games that aren't going to come out for a good long while both of them probably are going to put on great press conferences. It's not like Microsoft sat here and showed us a car from the ceiling and then, like, here's our Madden playthrough. Yeah. Like, this was a great conference. It, it was a boom, 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 boom. There was just – it was a constant good. It was consistent, which is great. But there yeah. wasn't just this one big boom moment for me. And that – and not every E3 needs that um, – Bethesda certainly didn't have that for me, and neither did EA. Um, I doubt and I have a it. question
1: for you, though. Lay it on me. I have a quick question for you. So, yeah, you're, I understand where you're coming from. And you're completely right that there wasn't these wild moments. Like I mentioned, there's not like a last of even, I'm not talking Last of Us Part 2. just like when the original Last of Us was announced, it was like, whoa, what is this? Mm-hmm. Horizon Zero Dawn, whoa, what is this? And I think it is two different philosophies, which is funny because so people really enjoy Sony's conference uh, philosophy. And Microsoft has gotten better about theirs, but they also have two different philosophies. It seems like now, especially with Phil Spencer in charge, of Sony's okay with building a hype trailer. They don't care if you want release dates; they're just going to hype you up, which they do a great job at.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Phil Spencer has said multiple interviews, like I stated before, of like we're not going to show things too early anymore. We learned that with Scalebound, and we got burned. Phil Spencer took over. Now it's like two years, two and a half years.
2: Mm-hmm. He's been games take a while to develop.
1: It. Yeah, yeah, games take a while to develop. So think about this. The moment Phil Spencer came in, by the time he had to fix everything that was already wrong, then he had to start developing partnerships on his own because he's new management, right? So he's been working with his studios to figure out what they want to do. That's like two and a half years. They don't want to announce anything too early. I do think that – and I don't want to hype it up too much, but I do think that next year could be that moment where we see these IPs that are the jaw droppers that get people like you that are like, oh, this is what I wanted to see. And I I so hope that happens. I think Phil Spencer did the best with what they could do, and he knocked it out of the park. He's like, well, we, we don't want to show things too early. We'll show a shit ton of console uh, launch exclusives, which I think help, even though they're not... To the average person seeing console launch exclusive, that's the same as console exclusive to them. That doesn't matter. They're like, oh, it's on Xbox only. People don't look too much into that. Also, like all of the third-party support, I think, is huge. Mm-hmm. Like AC Origins, huge release. I think Metro Exodus could be The Witcher 3 in terms of their coming out party. Maybe not the sales, but... Like, I do think that showing all the Japanese games, I do think they did the best with what they could do, and they show diversity, which I think has been a huge issue with Sony because their whole hype trailer is great, but they all look like, oh, yeah, these are all first-party Sony games. They all have that similar kind of take. Where's all these Japanese games I love with Sony? Where's all these indie games? Mm -hmm. And I think that Xbox is like, well, since we can't show you these wow moments, we'll show you shit tons of games, shit tons of diversity, third-party support. He did the most with what they had and I really do hope that next year is the thing that fills in those gaps that you wanted. So I, I do as
0: well. They like I said, they had a great show. It was good. It was like yeah. consistent. Besides and I was worried, like I said, at the beginning, I was like, Who hold yeah. on. Uh-oh. Um yeah. it's they did a great job. I was I was very, very happy. Um with the showing they had. I'm, I can't wait to see what uh, Sony does tonight. We've got Ubisoft here in like 40 minutes from our recording and then Nintendo tomorrow and hot dog if I'm not excited for Super Mario Odyssey. You um, want to talk
2: about brief
1: conferences. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna apparently, conference. oh my gosh,
0: it's going to be crazy. But um,
1: Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. really quick before we go, I wanted to mention this. I haven't bought a Switch yet. Mm-hmm. I, I like Legend of Zelda, but I'm not a Legend of Zelda like diehard. I love the games don't get me wrong, but Super Mario Odyssey is the game I'm buying a switch for. Like oh, yeah, I'm going to have a switch by the time Odyssey comes out. So that release date is going to let you know, Max, when I'm getting a switch. So we'll see. Oh, <laughs> Super excited.
0: Ooh, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. yep. But this, this has been our Xbox EA Bethesda E3 2017 breakdown for millennial gaming speak. Um, Stick around after I wrap up here uh, to hear Logan's hot takes fresh off the uh, show floor for, not show floor, but the press conference for Microsoft. Um, he called in. We got about like 20, 25 minutes of him talking about it here. Um, very, very excited.
1: Shout out to him. Oh, yeah. Really cool to see him at E3, man. That's it's, really awesome. I it's thought that uh, was really cool. I think he did a phenomenal job uh, for Dual Shockers. And like, it's it's super awesome, man. I was super proud of him.
0: It's so cool. He's sending me pictures and all this great stuff. And, Uh, You can hear the excitement in his voice in that call here in just a couple of minutes, so um, really, really cool. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at MoreMan12, to get some live E3 updates, because he is uh, boots on the ground, as it were. Um, As for the show, it is a part of the Model Citizens media, like I said at the top of the show. It's a podcasting brand. That me and three other of our friends uh, have. We've got this show. We've got Behind the Pixel, which is an interview show with different video game people. We just interviewed Danny O'Dwyer from Noclip uh, Video. So that okay. interv- that interview is fresh uh, at the beginning of the month here. So go listen to that. We've got Reeling in the Years, which is a music podcast that uh, Logan and Michael do year by year discussing different music and how it's impacted the world and the industry. And then we have the Model Citizen Show, which is the four of us talk about whatever we would like to. Um, So go check all of those out. You can check them out at ModelCitizensMedia.com. As for this show, you can find us here on YouTube, uh, Millennial Gaming Speak. You can find us on Twitter at MGS Podcast. And send us any emails with questions, comments, or concerns over at MGSPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow myself on Twitter at MaxTheWhite, and you can follow Jared at Twitter at Jared underscore. And that's – correct me if I'm wrong, but that is J-E-R-R-A-D underscore.
1: Yeah, couldn't get Jared by itself, unfortunately.
0: Had to throw in that underscore. Throw in that sweet, sweet underscore. Um, Jared, why don't you tell the people where they can find you on the internet besides your Twitter handle? You do some stuff. You have your own podcast. Share that with the people.
1: Uh, Yes, so I host a, a weekly gaming podcast called Controlled Interests. Uh, we essentially focus on the news at the beginning of the show and then get into individual topics. They can be things as dumb as comparing the best fast travel uh, mechanics in games to stuff as serious as why walking sims should be regarded as a very important part of gaming. Uh, okay. We run the gamut of, of serious and dumb conversations. I host with two other people. Uh, you can find it at uh, YouTube Just search Controlled Interests. We're pretty close to getting a custom URL, which is pretty cool. Uh, We're also going to be launching a new show called A Look Back At, which is essentially a 20 to 30 minute conversation about games uh, that are like five years plus old, way older than that too. Our first couple of ones that are coming out, it's usually conversations between two people, uh, Kingdom Hearts, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, and I think Dark Souls as well. Um, They're essentially just conversations with gameplay being played at the same time, talking about the game, what it meant to the industry, that kind of stuff. Sounds Uh, pretty cool. That's pretty much it.
2: Okay. Uh, You
1: can follow that at at Twitter, at Int. that's abbreviated, and then me personally as well. Um, But yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate talking uh, Xbox. I can do it nonstop. Yeah. Thank you for coming
0: on. I really, you were the person I had in mind as soon as I was put in charge of all our E3 shows. I was like, I need Jared on for the Xbox show because he knows his Xbox like the back of his hand. Thank you, Jared, for coming on to the show this week. No problem. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Keep an eye out for the rest of our E3 podcast. Um, We are recording an episode tonight after the Sony press conference to talk Sony and Ubisoft with none other than, here's a deep cut for you former Beyond listeners, Mitchell Morgan, joining us for the PlayStation podcast. And then tomorrow, we're doing a Nintendo podcast with Peter Spasia over from... um, The website's rhymes with Asia. his podcast is The Power Switch. So um, make sure you tune into those shows this week. And then when Logan gets back from E3, depending if he is not dead, exhausted, uh, we should have a regularly (laughs) scheduled podcast for you to hear all about his E3 adventures and to hear his final take on E3 as well. So thank you all for listening to this episode of Millennial Gaming Speak. And make sure to check out the rest of them. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of the day and a rest of E3. Until next time, see ya. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special end cap for the Xbox E3 2017 episode of Millennial Gaming Speak. Calling in all the way from Los Angeles live is Logan Moore.
3: Hi, I live. I'm at the convention center right now. I just got my media badge.
0: He's
3: he's all official.
0: He's an official big boy.
3: Yeah, I mean, it didn't seem real. In the emails they sent me saying that I would be getting a badge but now i'm holding one so that's cool that's it is. a dream realized for sure
0: it is really cool when you said he he texted me he's like get ready for the coolest picture Ooh. all week and i was worried it was that phil spencer selfie from your oh, predictions no, I, I can
3: still work on that that was not confined to the
0: it was not like your shoe it was not like your shoe one the shoe one is confined to
3: the event uh the sony conference tomorrow night so i'll have to be doing some work there tomorrow
0: i know i know but um so you you just got out of the Xbox press conference not long ago. I mean, it probably yeah. ended 30, 40 minutes ago. Um, uh, I
3: think it's been, yeah, about an hour or so, something like that, yeah.
0: And uh, this was your first big E3 press conference. So kind of what was your, your hot take, overall general impressions of uh, Microsoft showing here at E3 2017?
3: So yeah, um, so this is coming at the end of the episode with you and Jared, and I'm really excited to hear what Jared has to say about everything. Um, as far as my quick overview thoughts before we get into more into it in more depth, probably on the next show I'm on, uh, I thought they I thought they killed it. Like I I thought this was exactly what they need. I said they had the potential to really knock everyone's socks off. I think my socks are still hanging on just a little bit. Uh, yeah, just kind of at the it, tips it, of your toes. Yeah, it, it was it was it was like. This is what they needed. Like they came out, they did the games, games, games thing similar to what Sony did last year. But the one thing I will say about that is that they did not show projects that were two, three, four years in advance. The best thing I think about this show is that they came out and showed 42 games. And I'd say probably, what, what do you think, 35 of them, if not more, are probably coming within the next year before next E3. So Hopefully, Yes. That, I mean, it seemed like everything was later this year or early 2018. Anthem was the really, really the only thing I can think off the top of my head that I know is in the latter half of 2018. Um, But besides that, like, yeah, every... So, I mean, they came out with the games, games, games thing, but it's really confined to the next year, which is awesome. Like, that is exactly what we needed because their showing was so small coming into this and everybody was saying, where's the games, Microsoft? Where's the games? And they they showed them to us. Of course, not all of them were exclusive, but, like, we saw a bunch of games that we needed to see today.
0: We did. And I'm even the ones that were exclusive, and I'm putting air quotes around that, um... Some a good chunk of them were just console launch exclusives, so they may yes. or may not come to PlayStation later. But it was good to see them pushing the games' message, which is something that people have said Microsoft hasn't been too far behind ever since the Xbox One reveal um, way back with Don Matrick. and it was all about TV and games. And it's yeah. been a slow recovering from that, you know, that damage control of that E3. What was that three, four years ago now?
3: Um, it was four years ago. Four now. years yeah, ago, yeah,
0: 2013. Um, yeah
3: I mean I mean I give so I, I give Phil a ton of credit for what he's done with that team over the past year because I mean not only did they show so many games that are coming out within the next year to, uh, today, but they were unique and they were all doing something different. Their indie game lineup looks amazing with the ID at Xbox stuff. They even mm-hmm. had a couple Jap- Japanese games that showed up what? on
0: what a Japanese game and an Xbox? <laughs>
3: yeah, pretty much <laughs> that's that's the that's a good reaction to that. yeah, so I think they really hit all their bases today. And I mean, yeah, like I said, this is really what they needed. I'm incredibly happy for them. I am so happy to be just ecstatic about some upcoming Xbox games because I really haven't been in a while. And even the things like Sea of Thieves, which is a bigger discussion, but that's really not striking my fancy so far from what I've seen with that. And that's been like one of their big first party exclusives that they've got. Lined it was
0: up. it took up a sizable chunk of the not
3: um, even, yeah,
2: like, not it, even to, it was a longer demo, today,
3: yeah, not even today, though. Like, even in the past, I haven't really been sold on that game. Um, maybe I'll play it tomorrow? I, d- I don't know. I'm going to play in some of their games tomorrow. Uh, by the time this is uploaded, I think I'm allowed to say that. But who cares? No one will listen to this. I'm playing some of their games tomorrow. We'll see what happens there. Um, so Obviously, you can read our previews whenever those go up. Just follow me on Twitter at MoreMan12. I'll post ooh, those. Yeah, That
0: plug, plug, plug. Um, I wanted to get your impressions on the xbox one x which by the way congrats on mailing yes. the name um there we go someone pointed so out to me
3: on, i was so close on the release date i got the price right i got the name right i, I know, did not you were get close on the the, day. I was, three days on that day and so i was close.
0: i was totally wrong
3: so it is a tuesday launch then correct uh
0: if it's you were three days off then yes because you said friday i think
3: i predicted a friday you did different but that's fine Let's
0: someone go someone pointed out to me in um in a chat that um x xbox one x when you abbreviate it spells xbox it's like of course yeah. it does that makes that, that, that makes was sense.
3: so we had heard those leaks a couple months back and that's what everybody was saying then and, and actually to go off of that for a second the one thing that really stood out to me and i pointed this out to you and i don't know if you noticed it again later on as they did it but they changed their low their not their logo but the little um their uh, little splash image at the end of the games or at the beginning of the games that comes up, it used to make the Xbox sound and the logo would say Xbox Xbox One. one that now just says Xbox, which to me means they are totally doing what everybody thought they were. And they're going to this iterative console thing where I think they, they now have their two consoles, the Xbox one S and the Xbox one X. And if I had to guess something will come after the Xbox one X down the road. And when that happens to me, that means that that's when they kill off the one S And then the Xbox One X will be the backup console, and then they'll have this new thing coming off the back of that. It looks like, to me, that's what they're going to do moving forward. I have no idea if that is the case. But the fact that they're changing their branding and kind of trying to move away from the Xbox One name and moving it instead to to just the broader Xbox, which I think is a good plan on their part.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: I would, I I would agree I, with I, you. I it's kind of unifying me. the brand. So it removes confusion and segregation and says everything is Xbox. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious then, what are your thoughts on the Xbox One X uh, fresh coming out of the conference? Um, you were there. Um, nothing really new technically was announced, uh, but we did get the name and the price, which is so. uh, $500 US and launches on November 7th.
3: Yeah. So they repeated a lot of the specs and stuff, which we already knew. Um, but got to get everybody cheering, I guess, for that at the opening. Um, so, really, I think the big thing was. Um, sorry, my phone was buzzing for I a mean, second. I had no idea why. Um, sorry, my phone's going up. Um, one so thing. Xbox, Xbox One X, I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> so. $4.99 price point. Again, that's what we expected. I'm fine with it. I we think both that's predicted it. What the it. console's worth. Um, so uh, at the, I was at the, obviously being at the show, they had a four K screen there. I have uh-huh. no idea how big it was, but that was the main screen we were all watching the whole time. And I told you about this too. But they had a ten eighty some ten eighty p screens. I assume that's what they were in the corners of the theater that you could look at as well. And they were, I think they were actually for uh, deaf people because they had the. Um, the, the words, the text, yeah, the text that going along with the comfort, captioning. Thank you. That is a that is the word for that. <laughs> the captioning going along with it, and I kept looking back and forth between the HD monitor and the 4K monitor, and the difference, like putting them side by side, was staggering. <laughs> yeah, was really, made it really me realize, is. I realized like how bad I would like to make the jump into 4K um, Scorpio Xbox One X. I got to call it that now. Um, it looks like it is doing what we expected and hoped it would um and honestly it is surprisingly making me want to move in that direction now that i've actually seen it running and obviously all of these games are not necessarily going to be representative of what their actual final products are all the time they've been touched up way beyond what their their finished versions will be um but like it has pushed me forward whereas the ps4 pro didn't like i am now I don't want to say actively, because I have no idea when I'll have the money to buy that entire setup, but I am now much more interested in going to 4K sooner rather than later at this point. Yeah,
0: you're like, you're like me. I'm interested in 4K gaming and definitely want to pursue it, um, and then once that happens, then you can upgrade the boxes that you play the games on, so yep, everything yep. looks better. Um, like I just start, started Horizon Zero Dawn today, which is not an Xbox game, but just seeing how good that game looks on my 1080p TV, I can only imagine it in 4K. Um, on a 4k television i was curious about what you thought about some of the bigger games that they talked about today um specifically up front at least they showed off forza motorsport 7 and uh metro exodus which i guess is the third metro game um those were kind of the two they led off with what did you think about those he's dead he's gone away um well, you probably just heard my thoughts with Jared. I hit I hit,
3: I hit the I hit the mute button. I'm sorry. Uh, oh my gosh, he muted. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking this whole time. Um Metro. Looks awesome. Holy crap, it looks so good. I've never played any of those other games. I wanna play that one. That one looks so freaking good, dude. And obviously That was one of the gameplay trailers that I was mentioning when I said they touched it up real nice and pretty. Um, That does not look like final gameplay to me in any way, shape, or form. But I am very excited by what I saw, and I would really like to play that game. Um, What was the other one you mentioned? Forza. Forza. They started with Forza, which is a car game. It's a racing game. It's not my forte.
0: I was um, curious what it looked like in person um, on those uh, sc- displays. L-
3: looked great. There was a car in the room.
0: Yeah, so was, was I thought bad. it would come from the ceiling again, but no no dice. I,
3: I actually looked straight to the ceiling the second they said that as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, a bunch of people did around me as well.
0: Another – two other really big ones um, – that we,
3: is one of them Cuphead? Because if one of them is not Cuphead, then let me say Cuphead, September 29th, holy crap, get on board that hype train. I don't use choo, the term hype train, choo. but I'm on board the hype train for that do I'm so incredibly excited.
0: I can't wait for Cuphead. We've I missed the piney. July
3: prediction, but it's fine. We got a release date. I'm fine. It's okay. It's Cuphead okay. In September.
0: I was going to say um, Assassin's Creed Origins yes. and Player Unknown's Battlegrounds.
3: Oh yes, Player dude! I'm so excited for that game. I've been talking about that. I don't know if we've talked about it in depth on the podcast.
0: But My roommate plays it a lot, and um, seeing it coming to console is really enticing to me.
3: Yeah, I've been wanting to get into it for a long time. You and I should take the dive into that one. I don't imagine it'll be a $60 title, but you it, and I should definitely jump into that on one. It's early access on PC,
0: so I, I imagine it'll be early access on Xbox as yeah, well.
3: Yeah, you and I should take the dive into that one and play some play together. Uh, play some doubles. Yeah, that Ooh. would be really fun.
0: So what about that um, Assassin's Creed? The first time we got to see a trailer and gameplay.
3: So I was sold on the location and just the idea of what the game was. Already. Egypt
0: is very, very cool.
3: I'm more interested, in the, honestly, to hear what you think about it. But I don't want to get into that big long discussion right now. So maybe we'll save that for a okay time um, up front. <laughs> it looks awesome, dude. Like they've changed a lot of the mechanics, the RPG elements to the game. Holy crap, that is going <laughs> to change so much. I am so freaking i mean if that was all they added then that was enough for me like seeing just that the best part of that entire gameplay demo was him opening up his inventory screen and seeing how you can manage that stuff and how they have different benefits and uh attack powers and defense and all that crazy stuff that looks so cool like i'm so excited for that like there's been things like that in the past assassin's creed games but never on that level um so i'm really excited for the rpg mechanics the eagle let me say this about the eagle and i don't know if it's It's substituted i thought it was a hawk whatever it was I don't know if it's substituting uh, the old mechanic in the Assassin's Creed games, the Eagle Vision, Mm -hmm. where you can see the specific targets glowing gold or red or whatever the heck. I feel like that is the substitute for that mechanic, and if it is, I think it looks so much better because if there was one thing to me that was getting stale after all those Assassin's Creed games, it was that that lame mechanic was still around somehow in the latest iterations of the game, and I never understood that because I thought that that was stale from the get-go in the first couple of Assassin's Creed games. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know if Eagle Vision is still going to be around, um, but to me it would make sense that that would be how you kind of do your reconnaissance and find your enemies, and like they showed in that gameplay trailer.
0: It seems um, pretty cool. It, it gives you, I think, a more practical overview of the environment and to help you plan your way into places. It looks like you'll be able to tackle targets from multiple different angles, um, which was, I know, a a concept promised early on in some games, especially Assassin's Creed 3, um, but really kind of fell flat, at least in my experience with the franchise. You've played a little more than me, um, so maybe that's not as new as I thought. Another, I think the last... There's two more big games I think I want to hit on real quick with you. Uh, Crackdown 3. Yes. uh, November 7th release date, so with the Xbox One X.
3: So is that your only prediction you've gotten right so far? Was that the one?
0: Um... Well, I technically got half of it right because I gave a date for it, and, and my date was wrong, so that would be... Oh,
3: you uh, did say it was the same date as the Scorpio, right? Yes. We can, uh... It's up to you. Maybe maybe I'll be generous and I'll give that one to you, because you technically got it right. I can't, I, I can't... You. Te- I, I'll give you that point. You can All right, point. I'll go that's back, a, I'll that's fix a the spreadsheet. That's a, that's a good point for you. There's a forklift near me, by the way, if you
0: hear beeping. I do hear the beeping. Um,
3: Crackdown looks awesome. The thing I liked about it, and again, this is maybe gonna, to you, you said I didn't like co-op games. My favorite thing about Crackdown 2 was the co-op, so seeing more co-op in this trailer totally got me amped up. Like, a lot of people didn't like Crackdown 2. I loved Crackdown 2. My brother played a lot of that game. It was a ton of fun. Like, I understand why certain elements of the game weren't good, but, like, I still had a blast with it. Um, And then just seeing the quick snippet of grabbing an orb, like, I totally remembered in that instant how addicting those games are where you just don't want to give up until you have maxed out your player um so excited for crackdown so excited it's this year dude like holy crap this year continues to get better somehow i don't know how i'm sure we'll see more over the next couple days too to where that will improve it even more but like we're getting crackdown three this year like i, I think that was a given i think that was a given for a lot of, or, I think that's what a lot of us guessed like you and i both thought it was coming this year
0: mm-hmm. but
3: to actually know that it is it's real and this coming year, yeah yeah and then i now put it on my calendar um that's i am i am so excited for that game man
0: all right and the last game i wanted to really kind of hear your fresh impressions on uh was anthem anthem uh,
3: mm-hmm. hmm. i don't know what to think of, i don't know what to think about this so far um so the co-op thing is what's got me – it looks very co-op heavy, which I'm not against because, like I said, I, just I saw the co-op and Crackdown look.
0: cool. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of know. jokes saying, oh, look, e- <laughs> BioWare was making Destiny 2 the whole time.
3: That's what, one, that's what my friend, uh, my co-writer, uh, Zario, said next to me while he's sitting next to me. He said, this looks like what I wanted Destiny to be originally. Um, so we'll have to see. Like, I don't really – there's obviously some sort of RPG elements to it because there was all the different – each of the mech suits look like they're going to do something different. I think they called them, what, javelins? That was what yep. they
2: called. Javelins. Looks like
3: they're all going to have some different abilities that you can pick and choose from. There was also levels on each of the characters, so you can level up throughout the game. I don't know what skill trees are necessarily going to look like, if there is skill trees, whatever. Um, so I'm interested from a like, Bioware standpoint, see what the RPG elements of that game looks like a little bit more. Um, other than that, it looks like there's going to be some cool abilities and stuff in it. I, I mean, I had heard coming into it that their new IP was going to be very much more action-heavy. Uh, compared to anything else they've done, and that definitely seems to be the case. Uh, the traversal looks cool. The world looks really cool. Like, that, if there's one thing I'm sold on with that game, it is the world. Um, looks very looks, big,
0: very dense. Looks um, totally
3: unique. The one thing I'm like, cut, like I, I don't understand, was the first part of that trailer was first, first person. person? And was, yep, and then it went to third. That was they in my notes about that. Like, because I really haven't seen—I I mean, I haven't been plugged into Twitter today as normal as much as I normally am on these kind of days. Have they said anything about that, really, that you're aware of?
0: I didn't see anything mentioned. I actually, like, in my notes, I wrote first person question mark, and then later when they switched to third person, I was like, oh, it is third person. Yeah. Um, it was so odd. It, I don't know if that was just to get us up close to show us that hey, our facial animations aren't as bad as Andromeda's, but yeah. it's the it one was thing something. I will.
3: The thing I will say though about it. Uh, Far and away, the prettiest game I saw today was that, right? Okay. And obviously, I don't know. Again, a lot of it's not an engine, and it's just all how much can we touch this game up to show it off at this press?
0: Yeah, pre, Um, you know, pre-game release. Yeah,
3: yeah. But uh, that was far and away the prettiest game I saw today. So if that if that means anything to you, graphics wise, then it's probably shaping up nicely.
0: The, um, in terms of graphical power. The last one, kind of probably one of the the more low-key hype moments from this press conference, and I think we might close on this, is uh, Xbox backward compatibility. The <laughs> OG Xbox. How does that make any sense? <laughs> I, does this mean that I'll be able to take an Xbox disc and put it in my Xbox One and play the it, game? Be-
3: it. Um, I don't know what I would do if that was actually a thing you could do. To me... I feel like long-term, they're going to be like, you can download Xbox games onto your Xbox One, S or X, whatever you have. You can play them that way. If they somehow add a firmware update to where you can actually put in a disc, an original Xbox disc, and start playing it, I might lose my mind. I don't see... (laughs) Not, not Not because I would be dying to do that all the time, but just because that doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. Put an early 2000 game (laughs) disc in your 2017 game box and it works.
3: Yeah. Yeah, It's, it'll be crazy. We'll have to see obviously which games get remastered or, or get that treatment um like i brought up kotor would be the one i want to go back to the most Uh, i'm curious if that could
0: happen because of licensing (laughs) yeah
3: yeah that for one two i don't know who would have to be doing there's a lot of struggles with that game specifically so I, i don't really know how a lot of that would shake down or work necessarily so there's a lot left to learn it was actually a very bare bones thing that they described but i i think that got potentially the biggest pop in the room throughout the day it was top three though for sure yeah um that, and again, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily just because it, we're all going to go home and put in our Xbox games. <laughs> because like, we've seen reports over the past week after Jim Ryan's statements over at Sony. There was a couple reports that came out about how underused backward compatibility it really is. And like most people don't utilize it anyway. Uh, but it's cool that Microsoft's adding it anyway. Because I'm sure they know people don't use backward compatibility that much. But they're, hey, let's go back even further. It It's cool Like we said, they're kind of combining the Xbox brand into one thing, Uh, not only with the Xbox One, both of the different SKUs for that, but also just as a brand and as a product as a whole. If you're able to play everything that has ever had the Xbox name put on it throughout history, if you can play that on whatever their most recent console is moving forward, then that's really, really cool. And they're going to be setting themselves up well for the future. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the one thing I'll say. Like, Sony's doing incredibly well right now, but I don't think, I don't want to say it would... It would be surprising if Sony fell off a cliff right now. We'll say that. Um, But Sony is set up... I I think Microsoft right now is set up more long-term to to succeed, whereas Sony, if they muffed a couple things over the course of the next two or three years, it could all come crashing down on them, potentially. It's it's interesting that you say that. It's, it's inter- not it will, but yeah.
0: It's interesting you say that because, kind of what you said earlier about Xbox. Today we saw a lot of games that are coming out, a majority of them before next E3. I think yeah. that's safe to say. But in the past years, and we won't know until tomorrow night, but most of Sony's offering, especially the last two E3s, have been games for the future of the PlayStation. We have games yeah. cl- going clearly into 2019 and 2020, and so I'm curious about Microsoft's future as far as first-party exclusive IP. We saw a lot of cool indies, third parties, and a a very few first parties today. And I'm sure tomorrow at Sony, we're going to see a little bit more of the First party exclusives and second party like exclusive deals, so it's Late see, prediction
3: I, I think we see a lot more third party tomorrow at Sony than we expect honestly
0: probably uh, I don't know how much uh, first party I stuff we, they I can be, I they have. We,
3: I bet I bet we see destiny tomorrow. I bet we oh, see heck Battle yeah front t- I bet we see battlefront tomorrow. I bet they do the campaign stuff tomorrow for battlefront. Makes actually,
0: sense Call of duty. Conference.
3: Call of Duty, we'll probably hear something about as well. Um, I think there's going to be a decent amount of third-party stuff at Sony, whereas last year a lot of it was their first-party offerings, it seemed like. Um, I don't know how much they can double down and show about those first-party games this year, especially like Death Stranding's already been confirmed not to appear. Doesn't really make sense for The Last of Us Part Two to show up, even though I have fingers crossed that it does. Um, I, I, I think they may... I think it'd be smart for Sony to rely more on their third-party partners this year compared to some other years.
0: So... Um, yeah, we'll see how it all shakes down tomorrow.
3: But yeah. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens tomorrow. As far as today those today goes. Amazing show by Xbox. Like I am I'm just very happy for them today. Like I was this morning was interesting because we had heard so many it seemed like there was a not really a negative aura going into the show. I don't feel like most people had that. We were all excited because we we're going into a press conference. There was just at least with uh my fellow team members and I, we were just there's like this air of like uncertainty going into it especially after the morning's whole 499 leak debacle and a couple other things happened we just didn't we're like we were nervous and uh to see that they bounced back and and then especially after the opening 10 or 15 minutes where i thought they were dragging for them to pick up and really just take boom 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 yeah, it was really nice to see and I was so happy for them. That that was a very fun show to be a part a part of in that audience. And uh cool good first E3 press conference for myself if we don't count EA Play yesterday.
0: So um, what would you if you had to score it, what would you give this press conference?
3: Um give it a solid for the company and like what they needed right now, I think I'd give it like a solid 9. Um Because they're, yeah, I'd say nine is a good number for them because they hit the check boxes that they needed to hit uh, that people were concerned with. And if people still have concerns moving forward, um, then maybe just Xbox isn't for you. But I know, like, honestly, like, looking at the fall now, I totally think I'll be doing way more gaming on my Xbox than potentially any of my other consoles. And uh, that's an exciting thing because I, I, I often feel bad because I feel like I'm not playing that console as much. And it is more often my PS4. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting more hands-on time with my Xbox this fall because there's a lot coming out that I'm excited for.
0: Awesome. I am I am excited as well, especially for Cuphead. Cuphead yes. hype. Yes. Um,
3: um, so to wrap it up, I know we're trying to wrap up here. Yep. I'm going to Bethesda. Got
0: I know. I was like going to say, second. you've got uh, Bethesda here in about an hour and yeah, 40 so minutes. We, we've
3: actually got to go figure that out right now because um, PR people working with Bethesda were kind enough to give us special um we emailed them again this morning we went into the show this morning and uh, one of their PR guys got back to me and said that they did a like a special favor for us and they're gonna get us in so awesome (laughs) as Bethesda,
0: we go yeah go cash that in because Bethesda is gonna be pretty good tonight hearing a lot of rumors of Wolfenstein Evil Within
3: yeah I think their whole show leaked but I'm sure it'll be cool to be there regardless (laughs) yes it
0: will all right Um,
3: yeah I guess the last thing I'll say is totally happy Jared was on this episode. I don't know if I said that at the top. I think I did. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited to listen to the first part of this episode for myself. Probably on the way home. I don't know if I'll have any other opportunities before then. Um, but I'm ac- incredibly excited to hear what his thoughts are.
0: I am too. Because you so, and I are recording this before.
3: We're, we're recording this before that part ever happens.
0: So I know. It's exciting.
3: So, But I'm looking forward to that, and I'll probably tune in and listen to that. And hopefully you do. If you're listening to this, you already probably did, did. But, uh, but yeah, E3 fun, dude. You gotta get out here. This is a really cool thing. That's I know. Happening.
0: I can hear it in your voice. It's awesome, man. I can't uh, wait to talk to you again. Hopefully, we can talk sometime after Sony. Maybe not right yeah. after, but sometime. We'll Uh, figure something out. Nintendo
3: will be the tricky one, but we'll figure something out. Because
0: that's in the middle of the day. But awesome, dude. All right, we'll go to Bethesda, have fun, and uh, thank you all for listening to this special Xbox breakdown of E3 2017 uh, right here on Millennial Gaming Speak.